Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. It's Matt Wiseman. This is Michael Horner. And I'm Rob Enough. And as you heard, we had two new guests. I think we've had Matt on at one point within the, well, maybe within the last 18 months. And we've obviously had Mike on a lot. You know, and Mike's a good punching bag. We, uh, we like to give him grief about his choices of the armies that he likes to bring to the table, which are usually OP. Usually OP. <laughs> and there's no pain on him either, so. Real OP. Even Real stocking. OP. Even stocking. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So let's go around the room for a hobby update. Matt, what have you been working on? Been working on Armada, trying to get the ships cleaned up. Uh, my first ship, I was playing around with how I wanted to do an aged gold and brass look. Liked it, made a few mistakes, had to clean that up, and then started applying them to the rest of the ships. So I watched Steve Hildrew's uh, video on how to do the wave basing, so I think I'm going to try that next. That's with toilet paper? Mm-hmm. Toilet paper and PVA glue. Do you think it's going to work? Fingers crossed. Let's okay. find out. All right. Over to you, Mike. Hobby update. Let's see. So uh, got probably three things going on right now. Uh, making trophies for uh, Blood Bowl League. So <clears throat> we've got some uh, trophies that are being produced. And also working on some terrain, uh, got some different buildings and things like that. Still trying to get some set tables for the shop. And then personally, I was super excited, shared this with Rob, our boy Duncan Rhodes that I got to uh, talk to a lot at Adepticon when that was happening uh, a few years ago. Uh, he's painting up Lannisters for Song of Ice and Fire in one of his uh, free videos. So I picked up that and I was like, you know what? I guess I need to put some paint on some of these Kings of War guys. It's yeah, only been about four months. <laughs> Foreshadowing a little bit. We're going to get to your amazing uh, Kings of War army. On my end, it's a lot of nothing, right? Like You built some stairs. I did. So I, I did take some of the wooden stairs that, that people may have seen to juggle units, and I blinged it up by adding resin rock to the outside. Um, and I'm working on some bases. and so, But I haven't painted anything in a while. I need to get... Get some paint. But, you know, you haven't had Nolan Oil in like two months. No, no, so, that's consistent. Yeah, that's one consistency. Is yeah, the, is so the and you're holding me up because I've got all these like Armada ships waiting for Nolan Oil for the guns. And I'm like, oh, we have Nolan Oil gloss. I'm like, well, that's not – I want regular Nolan Oil. It's a built-in excuse. That is. That's a good excuse though. It's uh, it's one of our challenges. Well, let's get talking about War Room Hobbies. It's been a long time since we had Mike on and uh, we figured we'd get him back on. We're almost 18 months into this thing. Because you started in August, is that right? 2019? Yes. And the good news is I have known oil coming on Monday. Oh, that's fantastic. I just looked that up for you. Just fantastic. That, that's that's customer service. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Why don't you give the audience a little quick primer on War Room Hobbies then to now? So War Room Hobbies, we got started in uh, August 2019. We, we were one of the fortunate businesses, I think, across the country that uh, going into 2020 – didn't actually have to completely shut down due to COVID. So that was great. We were able to kind of carry through, keep our uh, keep at least one of our employees here, uh, regular hours, the whole deal. Fortunately, we had a couple employees that didn't need work at the time. So they were like, I'll bow out. I'll go home. We've grown a lot. So fortunately, the last couple of weeks, I've been doing inventory. We probably quadrupled the inventory that we've had from opening the shop to now. Mm-hmm. Um, grown into about four or five additional games. And then just really have picked up steam with our members and and, and uh, that group. I think we started out 
you know, beginning of 2020, probably with 20 something members. I think we ended 2020 with about 55 members um, who are consistently buying. And then we're picking up usually about five or six a month and then a lot of renewals. So uh, that's been really helpful for the business. That consistent money income, you know, really helps out that we can take that to the bank and things like that for different financing. But from a shop perspective, like it's, you know, COVID's a, it was a hit in the gut. And it, I was actually talking about this with my wife today when we went out to lunch was, you know, it may end up being a blessing in disguise, right? Because we've had a lot of success um, as a business and not being able to be here full time. It's really helped that maybe it slowed us down a little bit. And even though we've had growth, it's it's turned out really well for us um, from the standpoint of not being completely overwhelmed. Because doing this not as my main job, it, it does become even more difficult you know, to try to run a business that you can't actually be at every single day and then also trying to provide everything for the community and whatnot. So we've had some challenges, had some setbacks. You know, eBay's really helped us out, stuff like that, try to get through some of these times. But uh, all in all, I'm super pumped and and I'm very thankful for our local community that's really helped us uh, get through this. You know, guys that couldn't come in and play um, due to whatever reason, still, you know, made their little stop by, curbside, drive by, whatever they needed to, to keep their hobby float going. Uh, and they definitely took care of us. So hopefully we can take care of them this year as we get out of this. What's the biggest thing you know now that you wish you would have known back in August of 2019? Man, I would say the biggest thing would be going into COVID. Don't open until after COVID. Uh, that probably never, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> Context, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Hindsight's yeah. 2020. Knowing that. No, I think the biggest thing is if you read a lot of books out there, you know, one of the guys who wrote a good book, uh, I think it's like the local, the local friendly game store or something like that. He writes a, a book and he's got a store out in California. And I think he made the best point is whatever you think you should have an inventory or be ready to bring in, you need more. That's our biggest challenge. Our our biggest challenge with Mantic, with Games Workshop, with all these different vendors is when you try to nickel and dime and and penny pinch to bring in just what you think you need, as opposed to when a product becomes available, max out. Bring it all in. If you know you have a community for it, right? Like that's the biggest thing. Like um, for even a Mantic, right? Like when you play a game like Kings of War, having one box and someone's wanting to start an army is not enough. No. They need three. Well, for your impulse buyer who comes in, which we saw even that this week with a couple guys uh, coming into this game, you know, they want all the things. Mm -hmm. So I think having more capital and having the ability to have that inventory on hand, very helpful. And that's what's helped us out in a couple of our other games. And we've noticed that with a couple of things like Star Wars Legion, stuff like that. But overall, I think having more money invested into your core games and having that product ready. Uh, would be the biggest thing that I that I'd probably go back and and really push more to our to our lenders and those guys that this is what we need as opposed to just getting enough to open the doors. Um, and I was also just very conservative, which can be good and can be bad. But I was very conservative to start. We're still open, so that's yeah, probably still open, right? <laughs> still you know, and, and you don't know, right? Like you you know you may have came in and tried to go you know crazy with some inventory and just been sitting on a bunch of money, but we didn't have that problem. Matt, bring you in here. Let's give the audience context in terms of where we live and the situation for COVID. Because COVID's not the same mm-hmm. everywhere. So maybe from your perspective, the greater Memphis area, uh, COVID, you know. Going into COVID, I was really concerned because coming from a company that we do plumbing supply for Home Depot and Lowe's, we were already hearing rumblings before this of, hey, there might be a recession. Typically, I'm in the marketing merchandising. That's your first area that people get cut. That's where your budgets, all that. So I was expecting, oh boy, this is going to be pretty rough. 
And it turned in for us really its own surprise of that. It's actually been a best sales year ever, but it's been so odd because where everybody seems to be going one direction, we're doing something completely different. Everybody's, you know, sheltering up. We're being pushed to get out there more, do more. But even from uh, the nation around here, a lot of people that I've seen, it's, yeah, they maybe are working from home, but they're saying they're busier than ever. It, it, it's it, it, that's not exactly what I expect. I expected everything to slow down and maybe people will be okay expecting save up more money, probably it hurt the store a little bit more. And then everybody was like, no, we've been busy. Our phones are going way past normally when I cut off work or even earlier before I ever start working from home. And um, I don't know, nobody's seen it. And it's kind of one of these things you can't really predict what's going to happen next. What's your perspective, Mike, on, you know, obviously COVID, the greater Memphis area? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's very different for different folks, right? We saw we've seen some of our stalwart people that were like in here three times a week, mm-hmm. and we haven't know? seen them in eighteen and in however many months. Yeah. Like to the point where they're like, I got guys who message me all the time. They're like, "Man, I just feel horrible. I'm not able to come out. You know, you know, my wife is an at risk, hey, or my husband's an right. at risk, mm-hmm. and we're just like, you do you. Like we'll be here. We knock on wood. We'll be here yeah. when you get back and everything else." And just, I think one thing that actually made me really happy to see from the community was the varying differences of opinion about the whole situation. Like, right, you got the far right, you got the far left of what they believe and what they don't about the whole thing, but what restrictions you should do, what you can't. I have been fortunate only to have one encounter with someone who disagreed with how we were running the store through COVID, and it was a less than two minute. Right. In situation. Right. I expected that to happen a lot more. I right. expected a lot of that to happen um, and just didn't. People kind of ex- accepted what we put through as far as what we could do to stay open. And I'm sure there's people that probably bit their lip. Yeah. And there's people that, you know, are talking about it outside of here. But so far, uh, I've deleted about three or four messages off Discord. And I've had one of those conversations. And, man, I cannot thank the Lord more that uh, it's not been a big issue. Well, when it was hot and heavy, you know, obviously you were down to no open gaming and just curbside delivery, mm-hmm. you know, and there's some some people that were like, well, that's, you should just not be open at all. But, like, the reality yeah. is, you know, I, I think hobby is, like, the one thing that gets us through this. Yeah, well, I remember when we got the stimulus check, that was one of the things. Hey, was, all right, I'm coming you, to the store. Did you get your new one? I just got my government check. Oh, I need to check. I got. Yes, I need to check on my check. Yeah. So Mike's gonna get. <laughs> Mike's about to get another order. Yeah, we're gonna have some deals this week. It's, uh, that's what I know. All right, but uh, that was one of the things I did is because I liked the setup of the war room. Of this isn't just a games workshop store. This is a all comers store. So it was all right. I'm ordering war bands for Vanguard or that. I don't intend to play them. Let's just keep the store going because I kind of want yeah. somewhere on the other side of this. I want this place to still be open. Yeah, we appreciate that. We had a lot of members who came in and basically just said, hey, I'm here to pick up this. I'm going to try this new game. Um, this this is a big project that I know I'm not going to be able to have ready in the next two months, so this is the best time for me to get it. A lot of those kind of things happened and took place. And I think on the flip side is we got real lucky. We ordered a, we ordered a crap ton of inventory. In right February. before COVID smashed. Yes. <laughs> and you talk about luck. Like yeah. that was the first – coming out of the first three months, I kind of talked about what I would do different – I basically took out more money and was like, let's do this. Let's really restock the shop. And that carried us through three months of COVID because nobody could get us inventory after that. 
but we had right. done such a huge restock, we at least maintained. So you, you talked a little bit about what COVID, how COVID impacted the store. Obviously, it curtailed what what customers could come and hours and open play. What all, what other things about COVID has you know impacted the store? Well, I think I think the uh, the inventory challenges, different countries having different you know mm-hmm. lockdowns and things like that. That's been a pain point. It um, definitely impacted your ability for your suppliers to get you stuff. Right yeah, now. yeah, we saw that probably towards the end of the year. Um, it started kind of shifting from, hey, we understand there's a lot of stuff going on. Towards some of our customers, <clears throat> really couldn't understand why we couldn't get stuff in. Right. You know, why don't you have this? Why don't you have this? A lot of a lot of our vendors who could provide stuff put some significant lockdowns on how much we could even order too. Well, I think they must have known what their what they were able to keep going, right? And so they had a limited supply themselves. I'm sure they wanted to sort of uh what's the word I'm looking for? Maximize their I mean, profitability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just trying to figure out if <laughs> well, I short the, if I short this guy this time, maybe next yeah. time a rotating schedule of who do you short to keep everybody as happy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. got a couple of vendors who I think, you know, we have, we have all ends of the spectrum, right? We've got some vendors who are like, get us everything you can. We'll fill you up as best we can. All right. And then we got vendors who just straight up cut us off. Right. Right. And we're just like, like Asmodee, right? They were one that just said, we're not going to ship anymore for. Yeah. They had to shut down. Um, uh, Warlord. They're another one. I've had a lot of, you know, that was something we really opened the doors with big. Like we carried everything that Bolt Action could carry, Conflict 47, all those games. Right. And we basically have not carried any new inventory for them for nine months. Right. Well, you can't get it. Yeah. You can't get it. They, <laughs> they, they very limited on what you can get. Um, and so, and we've seen that really impact their community. I mean, when's the last time we saw a bolt action game in the shop? Oh, well, I mean, it's, it, it's been, it's been it over pre COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Matt, I'm throwing it over to you, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're a customer of the store. How has COVID impacted your, uh, patronage of the store, your gaming, your whatever. I mean, really, it's increased it because, like, uh, I remember <laughs> you guys probably were laughing at me about a year ago. It was, all right, I, I got a little heavy into some of these games. Uh, let's uh, calm down the buying so that I can try to catch up and, you know, be able to build and complete what I get. And now I've got this massive uh, desk that I built just to be able to hobby more. It's got an increasing large pile of stuff on there. It's only increased it. Matt, you're, My, the, you're the typical new gamer in the first like year and a oh, half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I laughed. I laughed. He, he, Matt came in and was like, well, I'm going to get this one box because <laughs> I'm going to get this built. I'm going to get this painted. And then, you know, then I'll go ahead and get this. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And nope. then it was just downhill. Nobody explained the snowball effect here. No. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> we let everybody figure that one out for themselves. So obviously other other customers were impacted because some couldn't make it into the store. Oh, some yeah. had to buy stuff online, you know, um, and obviously open gaming was significantly curtailed. So, yeah, it definitely is a bummer, right? You know, one of the things I think that helped us locally here was the size of our shop compared to the local places around us, right? So, you know, we we were very fortunate right off the bat, the health department came in visiting one of our neighbors, which has happened again recently, mm-hmm. but this time it was uh, really right before we could open back up. And like we asked, you know, what can we do and what we can't do? And he basically was just like, as big as your space is, he's like, you're you're good. You, I mean, you can have like 20 Spread it out. Just <laughs> spread, yeah. And what's nice Social is distance. These tables that we built, they're not regular game size tables these are eight foot by four foot tables so there's extra length anyway and so we were able to open up you know the first time with limited capacity three or four tables everybody was 10 to 20 feet apart and then even now we've seen that 
you know, come back around as these other restrictions came in as we get out of the holidays, we're still able to have some people in here and with full authority of all the health department. And we, I think we have a pretty, pretty controlling local municipality. Oh, right they're, 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 mm-hmm. they're, I mean, Tennessee in general may be considered a little loose, but Nashville, Knoxville, and Memphis, Memphis. are not, yeah. are not part of that. So, no. So it, it's, it's been, they're doing, they're making us do the right things. Yeah. And, and, and you know what's nice is, you know, again, knock on wood, we haven't had, and no issues. COVID cases. I've had one employee whose whose spouse got COVID, mm-hmm. and we shut him. I shut him down under the same rules and guidelines that I have at my other uh, career, and that's the only issue we, that we've had. And he never even got COVID, but he still, you know, was out and did his thing. We did our thing, and have not had any concerns. And even community wise, you're not seeing a lot of guys just showing up, no mask. Hey, what's going on? No, I, I mean think, everybody's everybody's yeah. just coming in doing it. So, like you said, even on Discord. You didn't. We didn't really have any problems People of like followers. Hey, dude. They followed the rules. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Put a box of masks at the front of the door. I, I mean, I had this discussion at my church. They were talking about how do we make this happen. I'm like, you put a do- box at the front of your door. Mm-hmm. If they forgot their mask, here's you your say, mask. Here's yeah. a free one. Don't come in. Yeah. Unless you get your it's, mask. It's, on. it's not hard. If <clears throat> there's no barrier to entry. Um, and it just, I think it just depends on what you want to do. And then people just being smart and, you know, not arguing. Like I said, it's been great. The community has been great. Um, very rarely do we just have to remind somebody to put it up after they take a drink. Right. Mm-hmm. So are there any changes to the way you're doing business that are going to stick around after COVID? Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about this in the past too, is, is really trying to get the online stuff going. We, we were flirting with it and we've actually got the website ready into November going into December. But due to a couple big snafus by our post service, you know, some things oh take three Ooh. weeks. Maybe maybe talk about that because I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's so, an interesting uh, disaster hit for the postal service. Oh, it was a nightmare. I, you know, I think it's uh, Mark and Jeremy. They can probably attest. You know, they're both like, hey, let's get on this Armada stuff. They both placed their orders through the shop. I'm like, no problem. We got them in. Uh, their stuff was boxed up the day it arrived here, dropped off at the post office that day. And was not even scanned by the Memphis Postal Service for two and a half weeks for one order and three and a half weeks for another. Mm-hmm. Even after talking to them, it was it killed me because they're like, oh, yeah, it's at the hub. It's at the hub. And then one of the orders didn't even get scanned by the local city post office here in Cordova until three weeks. They didn't know what was going on. And so right then and there, really, we were in the process of doing the website and just, you know, because of that, because of other issues and having to do basically a ton of refunds on eBay sales, we pulled that we pulled that back. We pulled that back and said, right. until our eBay sales are delivering at a consistent pace within the timeline we prescribe as our expectation, then we're not going to go live with the website. But that's something we're looking towards uh, doing. Basically, as soon as shipping seems accurate, we're ready to go. So and one of the one of the number one games we're going to lead off with is our Mantic line. Um, because that's another way we can bring in that entire line here locally. And you've seen that now, like we just placed a huge order with Kyle and just kind of let them know what our plans was is like, this is the beginning and trying to make sure that we keep everything that we would need here. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, just like I said earlier, right, having one box of everything really isn't enough. No. Right. So I'm actually Huskarls. Yeah. You need multiple boxes. Yeah. You can't get those yet. You can get those yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's our goal. Our goal right now is we're picking about three different manufacturers and we're going to go real hot and heavy into a lot of inventory for them. And we're going to market the crap out of them. And 
We're going to provide some perks for some of our partners who have helped us out throughout the first year we've been here too. Mm-hmm. Because again, one of the advantages that I have is that, you know, this isn't paying my mortgage. So the cool thing is, is that really what my goal is, is community build. And I think we've done a good job of that here locally. And we want to, you know, make sure that we continue that even through this whole process. And uh, we talk about the first 18 months of the shop. I mean, we, we were very fortunate. I'll just say that. Uh, the community held us and kept us through COVID. So my goal is to continue what we've done, which is, I think provide people with a good price, good deals. And if you're wanting to get into a game, we're going to help you get into that game probably better than anybody else that you'd find a deal with. You know, one thing we didn't touch on is the diversity, right? Like, like we've got communities for 40K and mm-hmm. AOS and Kings of War and Star Wars Legion. Star Wars Legion and Armada. Yeah. So like in the CCGs and, you know, and all those things. So, I mean, you're not banking on the success of, of Warhammer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that's, you know, diversification is like a key for investing. Right. And mm-hmm. well, and you bring up a great point with that. Like when you look at our sales numbers, you know, and you compare it to, and I don't want to seem like I'm just talking about our sales, but it's a good barometer of where you're at community wise. You look at the first six months, three fourths of our sales were a games workshop sales. As we've moved through that and where we are today, games workshop has dropped down to about one third, which is still a lot. But that one-third has been basically moved to your Mantic lines, your Magic the Gathering, your Infinity, and stuff like that. And so you see that as the community keeps building, you go to our Discord, right? And there's over 350 people on the Discord. And if you go through that, you know, each channel, you know, our, our Games Workshop channels and the Mantic, there's about 30 to 40 people that are actually active. Right. And are different people on those different um, groups. You know, you think about even our Blood Bowl League that we're getting ready to do. Like, you're talking probably 30 people that have been interested in Blood Bowl. Mm -hmm. And we had to push that back again just because of the new restrictions, just to make sure that we don't have people trying to play on top of each other to get their games in. And so I think as long as we continue to see that, and then we all see the crossover, right? Like, like Rob, Matt, you Mm -hmm. guys in the last two weeks (laughs) bought into another Armada, which was Star Wars. And I was super excited to see that. But that's the key because as you guys jump over to those other games, you're then talking to somebody else about your favorite game. And we see guys jumping. Cross-pollination. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Well, we'll get to that. Let's finish talking about online sales. What's your expectation? You know, what? When's the, when's the website going to be ready for prime time? You, you mentioned when whenever the postal service has their act together, but you have a, you have an idea. A my my goal for the website is to be going strong February first. If I had my perfect scenario, mm-hmm. we'd be going strong February first. That's as long as we have the post office in line, mm-hmm. and then also see the quickness of a couple manufacturers to see how fast they can restock to make sure that not half the shi- half the site is showing. You don't want to be live, stock. and then like, oh, it's out of order, out of order, like week one. Yes, exactly. Right. So could happen. We want those to line up, and I've got to work with the two vendors. You know, one being Mantic. I'm going to work with them to try to say, you know, what is. What are some lines that you just know you're not going to have? So that number one, don't, put those don't up. even have them up. Yeah. Don't even have it expected. Because I don't want to be like some websites. Redball would be one probably. Yeah. Given that yeah. they're coming out with a version three, I wouldn't probably. Yes, yeah. exactly. I wouldn't put the rules up. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, right? Is really understanding like, hey, I'd love to get into this game, but is this a game that's going to be, you know, long standing, or can you even stock it, right? Like we had that problem with um, Dead Zone, mm-hmm. right? We were like, hey, mm-hmm. everybody wants to play Dead Zone. You put in the order, like, oh, we don't we have We don't starters. have the two-player starters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, so... Yeah. Oh, no, it was sitting on shelves. It was just the two pieces that, for weeks, I was sitting here, hey, is it in? Hey, is it in? Oh, no, we were going to combine these two, and here you go. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, here's the warpath one. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. But it's understanding all those things. Right. So once we get that line, I want to go live February 1st with the first line, which is going to be a lot of Mantic, mm-hmm. and then flip into adding each one every couple weeks and make sure that the employees are ready to actually fulfill those orders. Well, let's jump in and talk about live streaming. That's another topic that... Uh, You've been talking about a long time. You've been spending a lot of effort on it. Let's start with the the basic question of why do you want to live stream? Well, two reasons. The first one is I think it's a great way as people come in the shop. And and that's the really cool thing is we still have so many new people that walk in and don't even know what we do. They have no idea what we've got going on. They have no idea what this gaming is. They're like, do you have RC cars? No, we don't do RC cars. Do you have video games? No, I don't do anything electronic. Everything is tabletop. You know, and so trying to explain that to somebody who gets excited about something and maybe the person working isn't that excited, we want to have that lead into. So one of the other things for our website is we want to have links to our community champions, right? So I would consider Rob uh, a Mantic champion. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, right? Of uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least for the first few games, people really like him after the yeah, after yeah. Before. First, well, once, that, once you once you once the fangs come out, you're like, yeah, oh. you're like, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> Having an actual video showing what the game's about, you know, right? right. Having that, but I want it to be our video, right? I mm-hmm. want it to be branded with War Room Hobbies because I want them to see the person who's championing the game actually giving the demo mm-hmm. because then you can see them and you can talk yeah. to them. So that's the first one. We want to have all the different games, the demo actually running so we can send our customers to that to understand the game first. And then obviously, too, I want to provide that as an opportunity. So like the Wednesday nights or that we do Kings of War, the, the Thursdays where we do 40K and Infinity. I want to provide that as an option for people that actually are the regular players to, again, jump on because not everybody can come up on a Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Right? Not everybody can see that game or see what happened or get to interact with folks. And maybe they're stuck at work. Maybe they're still out with COVID. Maybe they've got whatever reason they can't be out that night. But you see a lot of people will jump in and out. And that's what I do. I came in touch with my old buddies, you know, around the country because yeah. I don't see them at conventions. I'll jump into their different live streams and stuff like that or shout cast a tournament that's going on somewhere just to help out. Um, but we want to have that ability um, to just, again, draw back in the community. And I think it's the same thing that we do when we're all here and we watch a game. We all stand around the table and we all. Carbits. Yeah. yeah. And we mm-hmm. all and we all either tell somebody how dumb they are. Yeah. Or we all get super excited. We see snake eyes. And we're like, oh, you you suck because you just rolled two ones. It's like, well, no. I mean, it's just still a dice game. I don't suck, but yeah, I suck. Um, but I think just doing those kind of things and then see as it grows, right? Like I want to bring in an employee who just does that. Community building right. is doing the live streams and things like that so that we can continue to grow in that manner. And, and I don't have any like crazy aspirations because there's so many companies that do it so much better than probably we will ever do it. Um, because they've been doing it for so much, so, so long, but I think it's different when you know the people that are actually, there's a difference though. You have a, a more personal relationship yeah. with the people that would potentially be watching it. Right. Like they're your customers. They're your friends. Yes. They're, they're your community. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Right. Like yeah. if you watch Duncan Rhodes or someone paint, like potentially you're not going to go and become his best friend. No, but potentially you, you watch some person demo a game of whatever, infinity, whatever, and You'll get to meet them, and yeah. you'll probably will start playing with them on a regular basis here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even then, like you've got at the shop, it's not just one game system. You're showing off a bunch of different game systems yes. where a lot of the video streams that you see, it's consistently, oh, one game system. That's We maybe try a few others, but then that's it. And that's just an audience that just opens you up in an already niche market. Yeah, and I think the other thing cool is like 
um, as we do these leagues, right? So, you know, I think we've talked about doing a Vanguard league. We've done Blood Bowl in the past. When it gets to the point where you're actually seeing the best players play, that's what I think is cool locally. It's like, okay, here's the best two players, mm-hmm. and people will watch their game because they've all – it's like fantasy football if you played that, right? Like – you talk trash to that whole group that's in that league, even if you were in last place. Right. <laughs> All right. So now when you're watching the two best players finish their game, you're going to have that community aspect of you can all basically talk trash in a, in a chat while watching the two best players go at it. Right. And you all know each other. Because that's the weirdest thing. When I get on some of these chats and I'm watching these like, you know, Warhammer TV or these different uh, different people that do live streams, I don't have people in there. So I don't communicate with them. So I always feel weird even throwing a post in there. I'm like, I don't know any of y'all. I'm not posting anything in the chat. I'm just here to watch the, the video. So I think it'll be fun that way. And then we'll see what it grows into. We've had a couple of guys that are super excited. They want to, like, do their own complete thing for mm-hmm. their game. And I'm down. Like, if you if you can get in and you do a really good job, like, with ours, then that branches off for you to do something – all power to you, yeah, bro. But you bring up a good point, which is the thing about Mike is he doesn't do anything half-ass, right? Like <laughs> it's got to be perfect, or he's not doing it. So yes, like, we've had right. that. We've had that come across a couple times. Where right. I'm like, no, we're not doing that yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the infrastructure. Obviously, live streaming does require some equipment. Talk a little bit about what you're, what you're, what you've been investing in. Yeah. So right now, the biggest thing Rob's helped us helped us out a lot. He got us kind of started at least with what we needed because he had a setup. That he brought up here. And what killed me, too, is he's had it up here for what, like... It's been a long time. But to be fair, mine's a portable setup, and, and you're going for a permanent studio, mini wargaming-style thing, right? Yes. Room, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been fun to see that. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. And um, so we've, we've invested. We, we made some original purchases of cameras. We did some test runs of those. Those were crap. So that was wasted money. The cameras, the 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 little the little ones we bought. Yeah, we did a test run of them. They were doing some squiggly lines. We couldn't figure out the settings for them. They're they're like fifty dollars cameras. Okay, oh. they're not the the Logitech ones. Um, so that was a bad buy. Uh, Microsony, you got me on that one. Um, so we're gonna get rid of those, but we're gonna invest in the Logitech, the ten eighties, the nice ones. Um, we're gonna permanently mount some cameras in the room. We've got sound curtains that are coming in. Um, hopefully in the next week. We were supposed to get them like a week ago, but shipping is shipping. We've got a guy who uh, locally uh, runs a sign company, and so he's built us like a uh, backdrop, like uh, college sports when you watch them do their yeah, interviews yeah, yeah. and things mm-hmm. like that. The reprint thing where it says yeah. like has the so logo. The war room hobbies big, and then we'll have the the, the shield everywhere. We've got that being made. We've got a War Dogs banner being made. That is uh, War Dogs is your club. The club so the, that we're the, when, they, when they go to events and stuff. Yeah, if, we're if events come back, right, yeah, when we're finally back out. So we've invested in those. You know, obviously got we were we were running with a certain computer system. Figured out no, we've got dedicated computer laptop yeah. for that. That that you know isn't a gaming laptop. It's meant specifically for streaming. Uh, we've got some screens we're going to mount up on some walls uh, so that players can see all those. And it'll be good from an interactive of we'll have the overhead. Then we'll also have two cameras that will be dedicated uh, to the player's reaction. So we'll have ones on the players themselves, on the table, on a dice tray that we can flip back and forth. Pretty excited about that. And then we'll tra- we'll go between the two, right? So I know some of our videos, we are going to try to do the editing. So you can actually watch a game in like a half hour to an right, hour. Right, just to like turn, almost yes. like pictures, photo voiceover vote you know yeah 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 not all the back and forth that happens yeah you know we'll have those that'll run live mm-hmm. and then we want to take those live uh videos and condense those down to something that basically uh you know a bite-sized portion of a game right which i think will be cool too because we all play games we're like let's let's be real 70 percent of the game is like the dude thinking about what he's gonna do yeah and 30 and or rolling cool dice stuff. yeah yeah 
Like when we roll those snake eyes, people want to see that. Like, hey, I thought I was going to be able to do this. That didn't work out. So I want to make sure that we're prepared to do those kind of things. Right. We'll just kind of take it as and take it in strides. But until we get a product that I'm actually happy with, happy with, yeah. we're going to keep that on the back burner. Like we're posting some stuff. Like we posted one the other day just to kind of see what it looked like on Twitch and stuff like that with our with one of the guys that works up here who got everything set up. We, we right. lucked out, right? Like so one of the guys up here part-time actually has a degree in but You shouldn't say that. Video say, I intentionally hired that person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. No, that's by part of the plan. With that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's good to have all these guys up here who are working uh, like two nights a week or part-time who have – other jobs, yeah. um, but are, are willing to come up here so they can get a big discount on their So toys. I'm going to follow up something that Matt said a little while ago about you stocking a bunch of lines. Obviously, War Room Hobbies has jumped in, and they have way more than just GW, right? So let's talk about the considerations that go into stocking a new manufacturer. That's not a that's not a small decision. It's financially yeah. risky because if you, you can get hung on <laughs> – you could end up with a bunch of inventory that's not going to turn, and you end up having to dump it and just a waste of effort. So – Talk to me about the, the, you know, making that decision. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that go into it. So we have a lot of guys who will come fly by night uh, into the shop that I haven't seen before. And they'll want like some off cuff game, right? Like we had a guy yesterday, we had a guy who called up here and was like, I want you to carry Napoleonic something or some Napoleonic game. Right. And I'm like, oh yeah, Warlord makes a Napoleonic game. Like, no, no, no. I want this one from like GMI gaming, gaming or something like something I've never even heard of. Right. Right. So a lot of times that conversation is tough. It's, you know, we have we have three or four distributors who can get us one-off games. And if I can get it through that way, I'm like, yes, I will order your game. And then we've got folks that are like, well, what about carrying it in your store? So we'll use we'll use a recent example, Battletech, mm-hmm. right? Battletech's an interesting beast because they don't have a lot of new models. They have new rules, but most of the rules are free. Mm-hmm. And most of the models you can print online, right? So you can print them yourself on your 3D printers, right. which everybody has that, but they have it to the next level. Right. So one of the things that I ask of folks that come in here and want us to play is I'll carry anything, but I've got to see a community. Right. So one of the things that they did is they showed a consistency with about six to 10 guys who have been up here at least twice a month playing the game. And so in consideration with that, we decide, all right, let's stock the books. Let's stock the rules. Um, and then we'll see how that goes, right? So we'll dip our toe in. We saw the same thing with the last argument of King's Conquest, right? Mm-hmm. So we we brought in that. We had a guy who was uh, Let's gonna, put a pin in that one, too, because I want to come back to that Oh, you want to come back to that I want to come back to that so, one. So <laughs> as we talked to people about games, and I did this with Rob, right? Rob yeah. came in and yeah. was like, when are you going to stock Mantic? We talked about that before I opened it. I was yeah. like, man, I don't even know what Mantic is. I don't, I don't know anything about this game. Right. But it's, do you have four or five players that are willing to play? And we did this, I guess, a good example outside of Battletech. Battletech, we're bringing in the books. Go back a step to a game we started carrying um, a few months before that, like a Malifaux. Uh, we had a guy come in right when we opened. was like, do you all carry Malifaux? We're like, no. Um, I was like, you play up here. Bring your stuff, right? If you want to lead this up. He brought his stuff, and he started giving demos yeah. to people. And I'm like, cool. I will, you know depending on what you do and what you do for the store, we'll give you a dedicated space, the whole deal. And then it was, we started bringing in the starters. And then once we had about four or five guys who were actually buying stuff, Mm -hmm. then it's, then it's all in, right? Then it's okay. I'm not going to carry the whole line, but I'm going to carry all the new releases to a certain extent. I'll throw $500 of my cost, which is, you know, typically around a thousand dollars in, in on the shelf retail cost. I'll, I'll throw that on the wall. And then we'll see how it does. And then I usually give that about a 30 to 60 days, see if it's selling, see what the rotation is. It doesn't even have to be great as long as I continue to see players playing. Right. 
And that's the key. Yeah. And now as long as people are playing. And then what happens is always, right, you've got your three or four guys, which is amazing to me. Um, they jump into every game. If they see anyone playing mm-hmm. a game consistently, they will pick up at least a starter. Yeah. Down with Thompson. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We won't pick on them too bad, but there's there's Thompson, there's Thomas, right? Yeah. There's a lot of these guys mm-hmm. who, you know, even in here today, we mentioned starting to play Song of Ice and Fire, and these two guys literally bought out all of it that we had for certain factions. Yeah. And they're in now. And they're one of the originals. You go back to when we opened, the two gentlemen right now playing Song of Ice and Fire. When we said we were going to do bolt action, Conflict 47, they both came in one night, both bought starters, both bought three or four extra boxes to it, and were like building yeah. that night ready to play next week. If there's a game that's fun enough that somebody's watched, you pick up on that as, as somebody working here or as the owner and say, okay, for guys to jump in after just watching demos, this is probably a pretty good game. Yeah. So let's carry it. Let's bring it in. And then you just got to be smart. You always, you always come back to it, right? I'll come back to every game. Every month, I look at what we've done, and then I'll either peel it back or I'll boost it up. And sometimes, depending on your your social lead in the area, you might boost it up more. Like Rob, I'm, I'll give credit to Rob. Like, you know, from a community, I know we'll talk about that later, but the consistency of someone being up here on the same day every week will tell me as an owner, I'm going to invest more in that game. Because just like we had last week, right? We gave two. You gave two demos. Yeah, that was weird. These dudes turn around, and we hadn't had a demo in probably like three weeks. No, it's been a long time. So we, so out of the blue, well, Thompson, yeah, uh, who's the guy that plays everything, yeah, decided Kings of War. I'm all in. All of a sudden, and he's yeah, been and coming he, in the shop for six months. Yeah, now he he's played a a little bit of Vanguard. I wouldn't even say a lot. A little. He's bit played of two games. Yeah. His second game was against an opponent who um, <laughs> didn't give him a great No, demo. didn't get So, yeah. Yeah, and so he's played a couple games and then he decided Forces of Nature was for him and so he bought the MAGA Army and he bought a bunch of uh, regiment boxes. So, yeah, yeah, he's all in. And that's it, right? Like, that's the key. So when you say, like, what do you care? What do you decide? I mean, right off the bat, when we had even anybody coming in checking out Kings of War, the first things I stocked was the mega armies and the armies. Because those are the first choice. You know, if yeah. you're gonna buy if you're gonna buy in, that's the way to go, right? Unless you're weird and wanna go like don't wanna use Mantic bottles, which you know, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but exactly. It happens. No weirdos. I don't know these weirdos. Guys just don't want to play humans. But, but then we had another gentleman named Andrew, never met him before in my life. Uh he showed up on the Discord channel and said, Hey guys, I'm interested in this Kings of War thing. Yeah. And you said he just showed up one night and spent a bunch of money. Bought everything. And then we gave him a demo last week and he spent you know, I bought a bunch of more stuff yeah. for basically all the Mantic games, Vanguard, Dead Zone. So it, it makes you wonder, maybe Matt, you can chime in. It's not necessarily just about the game. It's about the, the people that are playing the game, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like we can all play different games and it really, in some regard, doesn't even matter what we're playing as long as we're playing with cool people. Well, it's, it's not just about the people. It's also being able to have the different armies. So it's even though I'm playing, say, Rob, OK, this time it's Rob Undead. It's not just Rob Kingdoms of Half Men. Right. And it's being able to have that, oh, I'm playing the same person, so we can still do, you know, our crap talk back and forth. But now I've got new different uh, dynamics, variables to think about, so it keeps it interesting versus just being a boring, just uh, it's the same game, same person, I already know how it's going to go. Then you lose interest. Yeah. And you look at, too, you look at your Saturdays, right? You've been playing Mm -hmm. Kings of War in the morning, and then the afternoons, last couple, you've been playing Blood Bowl. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's really the key for me. Like, I grew up as a gamer who... I had three different games with me every Saturday. And when I showed up, I was like, you know what? I may not get in my 40K game that I was came here to play, but I got in my Mordheim game. And then I got in my Blood Bowl game. And I got in this. And I think that's like you said. 
it's that whole aspect of people you enjoy playing games with. You don't really care what the game is. Yeah. You just want to roll dice and escape the the crap show that might have been this week for you yeah. at work. Yeah. Or or everything else that's going on. Like I got four daughters. Like sometimes I don't want to be, you know, talking about what we talk about at home all day. Yeah. So I I'm able to come up here and get away from that. But that's it. And you so you see the success of these games and you see that people are really committed, right? So yeah. it's one thing as the owner to be committed to a game with my, you know, with the inventory and the money behind it. But if people are willing to put time behind it to be here so people can get those games. Man, that's it. Because, like, my original thought when opening the shop was, oh, I'll be able to play games all the time. I'll be able to do this. I'll be you able don't do hardly ever get a chance to play games. Oh, my gosh. Like, it is <laughs> it is unreal. Like, the amount of people that come in like, man, you don't play games. I'm like, yeah, but remember you sent me, like, four emails of all the stuff you wanted? Yeah, yeah I got to yeah. go find all this stuff. So It's interesting, you know, going back to just talking about carrying different games. You know, some some I've seen some stores that, like, use the seesaw approach where, like, they bring in a game and they only give it, like, 30 days. And they're like, oh, it's done and they dump it and then six months from later they bring it back so it's like up they they, yeah. they bring it in they bring it out they bring and so it's nice to have a store that some games take 30, 60 days some games take 90 yep. days it just it's not going to happen overnight and it takes an investment right you got to find people to play the game and be their the community lead so if you're bringing up a brand new game you got to find somebody to be like hey can you run can you run aos on tuesday nights can you run infinity on yeah. Well, right. Because if you don't have that champion, then it's, mm-hmm. you're dead in the water. And are you willing to stay up here for an hour and a half, two mm-hmm. hours with no one else showing up? Like we got a guy who on Saturdays, like how dude, many? Give him how, a shout out. No, dude, every Joshua Friday Franks. Yeah, he messes. He's every Saturday. He's got everything for Necromunda. He asked me like two months ago. He's like, hey, can I run demos? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, you just got to let me know that you're going to be here. We'll designate a space. He probably, I'd say, what, three? The first Saturday, he got a demo with a couple guys. And mm-hmm. then he went like three Saturdays, nobody did a demo. And he's up here for like six hours. Yeah. Well, now we've got about eight people that have bought the starters. Just the because boxes. he's here. Yeah. He's here and he has everything. And he's diligent. Like if a new release hits, like. He's buying it. He's, I don't he's even got have to it. know. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, that really helps, right, is when you have people in the games who are willing to partner with me yeah. to where I don't have to don't know buy that everything. because no one's going to, you know, or, yes. or maybe don't stock a hundred copies of this. Yeah. And I think that really helps. And it's that trust, right? It's my relationship now with that person who's running that game to say, you know, do we need to bring this in? Do we not? We had that with infinity when it first hit, I'm like, dude, they have like 400 boxes. And luckily a couple guys were, were basically really good at saying, Hey, here's the 10 things you should stock. Right. To start. And then go from there. And now we're to the point where I'm going to carry their whole line in the next probably 90 days. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of, a lot of infinity players. Yeah, we do. Right. And, and yeah. it's that partnership. And, and, and not only the partnership of what to carry, what not to carry, but then also the event, right? Like doing some type of get together to get them all here on the same day. Those are the things which which COVID's impacted that obviously a lot. Yeah. We had to postpone a lot of stuff, but we've been able to in pocket still do those kind of things. But to your point, yeah, it's a huge investment. And to me... I'll invest the capital if one of my players will invest the time. That's it. Yeah. Because I was that player, right? And I was that player to shop. And we've talked about this, you know, uh, before, not on the, not not here, obviously. But I was the player who was at the shop every Tuesday at 4 o'clock setting up 10 tables for 40K. Yeah, your mom dropped you off. and Yeah. Yeah, literally. At <laughs> yeah. That, it started with my mom dropped me off. Yeah. I did it until I went off to college. Then when I moved back to that area, yeah. I started doing it again. And there were Tuesday nights where no one was there. 
And then we got to the point where there's Tuesday nights where there's 30 people there, but there was flows over, mm-hmm. over six year period, different editions. Some editions yep. sucked. Some editions were good. That's like any game. Yeah. yeah. And you, you've got to be able to go through that flow. And, and what always really bothered me was when the store wouldn't partner with you when you actually put in that time. That was the challenge for me always. Yeah, because you're investing as well, right? You're obviously yeah. putting in time. Yeah. And not asking for anything. You know, yeah. That's the other thing, too, is like a lot of times, you know, as somebody who's doing that at the store, you're not, you know, going to the store and being like, you know, I want you to pay me to be here. Yeah. I want you to do this. It's like, no, you just care about your You're game. an evangelist. You don't, you're not there yes. for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is a delicate subject, but but when do you know it's time to dump a line? I, yeah. And then you mentioned the conquest thing, right? Like, give us the story and yeah. figure it out. So, you know, and, and, and I know some people may love, some people listening may love conquest, <clears throat> argument of kings. So, our last argument of kings. It's not something that took off here locally. Um, and for a couple reasons, not all the player base. We've got a couple guys that were dedicated to the game, but what happened was... It was difficult to get the product, right? So that's the number one. If it becomes such a nightmare for me to actually get your product from a distributor, then I'm out, right? And you can go a lot of times to the actual company, but they have minimums. Right. They have quotas. They have extra stuff they want you to buy just so you can get this. Right. Right. And that's actually one of those things in that book that I, that I mentioned earlier is you've got to be very careful just to hit a minimum that somebody wants you to hit so that you can get free shipping is not the best decision business-wise, right? I'm not going to spend $500 to save 20 bucks, right? Right, Because then I've got all this excess inventory and it's not moving. And so what happened was we brought this game in. We had a couple guys that were really hot and heavy with it. And we had, again, probably like six or seven people that started picking it up. But what you didn't see was it never made that transition from buying the game to playing the game, right? Right, you had a bunch of people buy the game, but never saw anybody play. Yeah. No. Saturdays, of- it was empty. I never... Saw that one ever played on a Saturday. No, I and that's th- usually where you see the biggest mix. Yeah, and, and so that's the challenge, right? And so you have to pick up on that real quick is, okay, I know you guys like this game and some mm-hmm. of you guys are special ordering the products, but I don't see you play the game. And so then, and like you said, you don't dump a game in 30 days. Like, that's just stupid. Like, to me, that's really dumb from the standpoint of, now, if you're out there and you do that, great, good for you. You've been in business definitely longer than me, so you probably know more than I do. <laughs> but for me, from a community standpoint, is I've sold this game to a bunch of people. You owe it to them to keep I it. I owe yeah. it, yeah. I owe it to them to, to, give keep, it a shot. to keep it going until <laughs> the point of no return in the fact that when 80% of the people that buy the game don't even walk through your door anymore. Yeah. Or the guys who were hot and heavy about you carrying the game don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. Aren't aren't demoing it anymore. And, I mean, I probably kept it longer than I should have. And really the only reason why it's still on the shelf is I think I just didn't have anything to replace it with. And so we did. We had to liquidate. You know, the the, the worst thing you can do, we, had, we basically threw it on eBay yeah. at 50% off. Now, I took a couple of things because they actually worked for my for my. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> it's just one of those things you have to make that decision and – we did, and you, and two, when your distributor stopped carrying it, like that's well, that's, that's the that's, that's the, the worst now, right? At that yeah, point. it's like when you go to your Southern Hobbies, your Alliances, your Peach States, and they don't carry any of the new releases, they don't carry any of the stuff, and it's been sitting in the back order cart for four months. It's you a know red it's flag. Dead. It's a red. You flag, know it's yeah. dead because they're not. Yeah. They're not. And I and I did it. Like I contacted the company, and I'm like, who do you guys deal with? Like, who's your main distributor? Because None of mine carry your stuff consistently. They gave me a list. And I'm like, those are mine, and they don't have any of your stuff. And so you start seeing those challenges, too, where it's like when you can't restock your own product in six months, there's a problem, right? Yeah. 
and, and, and like I said, I've seen some stores that they swear by the game. Um, the game itself, they send me emails every other day. So they're pushing it. It's just not something that we were able to locally do yeah. without taking away from our other games. That's the other side of you got to look at too is, am I going to keep trying to promote this one game when I can put half the effort into this game and actually see results immediately? Well, you've already, yeah, because you, you know, we also have Kings of War and we obviously have mm-hmm. Game of you know Game of Thrones, right? Song There's only so many rank, right, and flank. rank and flank games you can do, right? And both of those games have got pretty good followings here. So. Yeah. Well, and that's that effort piece, right? Like you, we mentioned Song of Ice and Fire, and next thing I know, I can't even sell, I can't carry enough starter boxes for some of the armies, right? To to provide for the customers. Well, at that point, you lost your shelf. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's always it's always difficult when 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 a game like falls off that that regular yeah. stocking thing. But the reality is, if somebody still wanted something. You would try to special order it, right? If, oh, yeah. If you the, try yeah. to find it. And that's where I think the difficulty is when your distributors stop carrying the one-offs. And then when the main company requires a minimum or mm. even two, here's the killer, is when the main company is offering a better deal than what you can even get as a store, right? That's a big challenge. Like, that's a killer in itself. It's like, I can understand y'all doing this sale for like a week, but when Every three weeks, you got another one. I'm out. So it's funny. It's funny because, like, I've, I, you know, I, I, uh, I think I have expressed my distaste for battle foam over the years. <laughs> yes, but you've made me a convert, right? Like, yeah. you're, you're selling me battle foam stuff, which ten years ago I would have said you're, you're nuts. Like, I'm never buying. <laughs> but, but what's weird about that is, you know, they've made it a conscious effort that they're never going to give a deal better than they give to the store. Like, they have yeah. a rule, right? Yeah. Which is. And it and it is a little disheartening sometimes when you know if you're a store and you're trying to you're trying to make it work, but then the company, whatever company, is selling it better than you can sell it, right? Like, yeah, and it's like, okay, how am I supposed to make this work? Because you know, obviously, there's a there's a there's a financial incentive for people to buy direct because if it's cheaper, well, and that's the thing, it's right. Like, I try my very best, right? I try my very best as a store to say, if you are willing to come into my shop. I'm going to match whatever deal I can basically find as long as I'm not taking a loss. And we do take losses. I mean, there's a lot of times like today. Today, I had to go to eBay and buy a product because I got an email from the distributor saying we no longer carry this. And I promised a customer this product. Yeah. So I'm going to pay double what I'm even going to sell this thing for because it's an obsolete product. customer service. Yeah. Probably stupid, but I do it because mm. I'm trying to take care of the people that are the members and stuff like that because we've sold them on a promise that we're going to get them their stuff. But it is a difficult process when, yes, I can still get it cheaper than what they're buying it from. Uh, you know, what the company puts out there is their discount. But is it worth it to pay for the shipping? to pay for the labor, mm-hmm. to pay for me actually going and trying to For the reduced it. profit margin. For for me making basically a dollar off of $100. Yeah. It's not, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. when you look at that and you're just like, let's let's really talk, you know, dollars and cents. If it takes me an hour to place this order for this one bundle that I'm going to make $3 off of, go buy it yourself. Unless it's super easy. Like, I've, I've bought stuff from Forge World, even though we get zero discount off of that. But that's easy. It's real easy. I just go to their website. I buy it. I tell people, as long as you all got enough stuff that's free shipping, I don't have any problem shipping it to the store. Done. Yeah. You know, no big deal. I don't like doing it because it still has anything we make money off of, but it's customer it's service. It's service. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the challenge, especially in this climate when our distributors are also saying things like, well, we can't get you the inventory you've asked for because of our reduced capacity. And then I see the little the scroll go across their website to the next page, and when it's it's twenty five percent off or 
new year, new mm. army deal. 30. Per, it's like if you're hurting that bad, then, you know, typically you, you don't throw out extra sales. But, hey, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Well, let's talk about specifically Mantic Games. You made a decision to bring them in. So yeah. what went into that decision? Well, I mean, I would say for for that, it's it's probably the lead game for it, it's lead game Kings of War. From a standpoint that when you do a demo of the game, one thing I like about it is there's a lot to the game. Let's preface that. There is a lot to the game, and I've learned that just from playing the game myself. But as you're doing a demo, you feel like it's a game you can get into. It's easily accessible. With little little capacity to try to have to learn all these rules. Like you compare an Infinity to a Kings Kings of War. War. It's completely different. I don't play Infinity. Somebody gave me a demo, and once we got to like the 12th rule in the demo – you know what, bro? I think I'm good. I think yeah. I'm good. I don't have the mental capacity right now to do this. Now, maybe down the road. So I think Kings of War is a fun game people can get into. It's a it's a simplistic idea that can be complicated once you get ingrained in the game. Mm-hmm. And I like that aspect, too. And I think that's also a piece that people like. You have that. And then it's a very easy game, I think, as we've done our different like slow grow leagues and stuff like that. A lot of people will jump into the game um, because of the ease of entry and the fact that you can't really start playing the game with just the bases really get into it without having to commit everything to it. War Chest does a great job of providing bases Yeah, War Chest Creations, yeah. Um, they provide us a ton of bases that mm-hmm. we're able to uh, use in the shop, sell in the shop. They gave us a great deal to carry those. And so we're able to just go into the bucket, grab those, do a demo with those, and people can play test. And that's what I love, right? Like, I don't want to sell people something that in two months they're going to be like, I don't really really like this army, and now I'm all this invested. Because I see people do that with other game systems, right? I've seen that a lot of times with 40K or Age mm-hmm. of Sigmar is you buy so much stuff. And you have to buy so much before you really get a feel for what you're playing. And Kings of War, which is nice, you can get in, you play at the bases, you see how things maneuver. The armies are different, but they all have a lot of the They're same They're different, but things. the same, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you like one aspect, <clears throat> you can easily see it's like that one thing that got you in the game, you may have demoed, you know, Kingdoms of Men or Leagues of Rodia or whatever it is, like I'm on the human side. But then you find out, it's like, well, wait a minute, the one thing I think that's really cool with them if that's my piece, I can jump over to this one. So right, there's having, overlaps yeah, between the armies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having a game like that, mm-hmm. and then I think really when we started doing the Vanguard stuff too at the shop, started seeing people play that. Those are probably the two things that I that I really look for is is there a really easy entry to the game? Which I know from your all standpoint, you play Vanguard, you're like, hey, it's not the entry game to Kings of War. I don't. I, I guess entry isn't good, but it's a good entry. Well, I think to from the, a rule standpoint, it, from, it's maybe problematic. You know, to, it's not an easy game to learn. But from a packaging standpoint, it's fine. Like pack- you want to play the game, go buy that one starter box. Yeah, and it, you're good. And let's grab some dice and then let's play. Yeah, and so when I think of entry, I'm thinking just entry to wargaming, right? So somebody who hasn't been in it a whole lot or doesn't want to make that big, they don't want to spend two hundred dollars. But if you want to spend fifty bucks, that's going to get you a starter box. It's going to get you dice. It's going to get you – you can you can get basic rules just to understand the game. Yeah, for free. Yeah. yeah. Doing those things and knowing that we have all that lines, then it's like, all right. And then it's the growth, <clears throat> right? Like we said. We see guys going through it, going through the process. And we start with what? You'd say probably one wall up here, a two-foot Well, like one leg space. rack, yeah. And now you're up to three, I think. Yeah, we're up to three. And then we brought in all the terrain crate. And then, again, you know, I'll give kudos to Rob. Not just because we're here, but, <laughs> you know, having you as somebody I can bounce off of. Because what did we do when we first started? I was like, Rob, what should we actually have? Right. And you're like, get the armies. Just get yeah. the armies. Don't worry about blisters. Don't if worry they about want this. them, they'll order them. Yeah. Like if have wanna, books. Yeah. That's it. But now but now you're at a point where you've, you've got almost, you know, you've got a pretty good sizable amount. We a have lot of everything reg- that we're allowed to actually order. 
that Mantic allows. Like okay. this last order, I think we placed we placed like a five thousand dollar order, right. and only I think thirty two hundred of it's going to come. Right. Which no no offense to them, it's everybody's got this problem, yeah, but yeah, yeah. not everything. When you go to when you go to Mantic and you say I'm going to order one of everything, that's not probably going to happen. Very often, every yeah. company's out of stuff. Yeah, and that's where we're at. We're yeah. gonna everything you can get from their store, you can get from our store, and that's that's our that's our goal. And I want to get to that point where we got everything you want. You don't have to go anywhere else. Well, let's talk about Mantic. You've had to deal with them. You know, obviously your main context, Kyle, Pretzel Twinkie, but how is, you know, how, how has Mantic as a company been doing? And I think they're great. You know, I think there's always challenges with different things. Let's, let's talk about basics. Basic stuff is get communication is great, right? So I've got some, I've got some different distributors I work with where I'm getting an email from them every two days asking me to place an order. But then when I place an order or ask a question, I don't get a response for a week. It's like, okay, turn off your automated emails. That's not a Mantic issue. I will say that. When I first got started dealing with Mantic, one of the things that I really liked was that I could just text message Kyle yeah, and be like, hey, dude, I put in an order. And he'd be like, awesome. I'll get it. I got it. We're good. I did that the first three or four times because I really wasn't sure if he was checking his email because I had the issues with all the other vendors. Well, now that relationship's actually there. And they've done a good job in the sense that I send the email, I get a response. I get that response and I get something from the warehouse. I've had like three issues, I think, in a year where I've either got something that I shouldn't have or didn't get something that I should have. They fix it. Customer service issues, right? If something's missing from a box, Mm -hmm. I don't have to be the one dealing with all of it. Yeah. You know, as some of our vendors used to be this good, some of them have pulled back and said, no, 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 we want to hear. Yeah, it's Asmodee now, right? With with Star Wars Legion, right? Like if you have a problem with what's in the box, the. They got to come to me. They got to come to you. Which is fine. Well, I, they still I, replace it. I, I kind of get it, right? Yeah. Though, from a standpoint of like, you're physically here and you can physically tell if they're lying and like, did they actually buy the, like, you yeah. know that they actually purchased the thing, right? Exactly. And there's a, and there's a trust. They're like, even this week, we got um, some of the crisis <clears throat> protocol stuff and there was two of one model in the box instead of two different models. I get it. I'm able to take a picture of that. I sent it to them. No argument, no fuss. They sent it out. You know, with Mantic, it's, um, I think I've only had to do one replacement through Kyle. But yeah. everybody else has been able to get their own replacements. Elvis or whatever, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's been no issues, right? There's no argument. There's no There's no back and forth. It's I send it, I get it, or the customer has it. So that's wonderful for me. And then the flip side is just, you know, the different offerings, too. I think this is something that's that's really cool that I don't think every, every company does a very good job with. I think Star Wars Legion, you know, uh, Star Wars Armada – uh, the fantasy flight groups, they try to do it, but it was too limited, right? So one thing I like about Mantic is they do those kits, like either the getting into kits or the tournament kits, the stuff that have the different oh, right. specialty yeah. items, like the organized play stuff. That's really important to me, I think. If you're trying to build a community in stores, having those different perks, I think you got, did you get the Vanguard kit? You did. You got um, the token set. You got the token set, right? Yeah. Okay, so having stuff like that that you can't buy that's in that set, you know, having those different figurines for the Vanguard, yeah. the, uh, the mercenaries. Those things are really nice. And what's different is Mantic charges you for them, which yep. is fine. Yeah. But it's like 25 bucks. Yeah, it's reasonable. Yeah. Like if I'm doing a league and I'm charging like a 5 to $10 entry for that, one, I can cover the kit. And then two, at the end of it, you're like, hey, here's your free model. Here's your token set as a prize. Here's a certificate. Right. Those are really good. And they keep them in stock. And right. that's the one cool thing, too, is like those are available. So like if your local store doesn't have those and you guys want to get something going, it's really easy. They can go down their order form and it's just at the bottom. You just select one of those and it's, you yeah, know, you order it's, it and like- it's nothing. And so you guys have that available to you uh, through Mantic. So I think supporting community is great. Let's talk about books. 
like something simple, like having the fact that they only will produce maybe one book a year is fantastic. I have no yeah, problem for a that, game. Yeah. yeah, I have no problem ordering ten of a book that I know. Hey, you know what? It's going to be around for a few years. Yeah, if it doesn't move, it doesn't move. Like the worst thing is when I actually walk over to my Kings of War, I'm like, damn, I only have one of these hardback books, or, yeah. or holy crap, I don't have any of the game manuals. The gamers like, edition. That's a screw up on my part. Yeah. But then I can order ten and know a new book's not going to come out. Like, a well, week. don't worry, you've got plenty of Armada books to for days. Yeah, yeah, we've got ten of those, <laughs> so we're good there. I think that's probably one of the biggest things is just the availability of stuff. I think really, with the exception of what happened with Armada. I've never had an issue even getting the new stuff, right? Getting oh, right. enough for the community. Yeah. And, and let's be clear on the Armada side of it is we had enough for the community. Yes. Right. I think only two guys really that just didn't order the stuff ahead of time didn't get their stuff. Yeah. If everybody that pre-ordered, everybody that pre-ordered got what they, what they wanted. Now, if there's caps, I think on the game going forward, as it builds up steam, like yeah. the 10, or I think we got like five or 10 of whatever it was of each box. I think, if that continues, that might become a problem. But I think they just they weren't ready for their own success with this one. And I think they're gonna learn from it. And I like the fact that we know ahead of time we like we know dwarves are coming up. We know yes, um, you, how many have you ordered? Yeah. You pre ordered them, right? You're yeah, ready. we pre ordered those. I think we've got I don't know. I don't, I think we maxed out whatever we're allowed to order those. So okay. we'll have extra, hopefully. And then you'll have Empires of Dust and stuff like that'll keep trickling in. But they've just been they've been really good about most of their stuff. Like the only thing I think I couldn't get for a while that really sucked was the giant. But let's just be clear. Like, you're paying $35 for that giant. That thing should be sold out all the time. The, yeah. the basic giant's yeah. like $35. Well, let's talk it? about the oh, giant. There's lots of, there's been a lot of discussion about the giant and giants in general. Oh, yeah. And let's talk mm-hmm. about. Well, one, he's way too big. Well, okay. Oh, are we talking about a different one? No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, he's perfectly sized. No, he's too big. I mean, not, he's not the size of a Barbie doll. From a from a gamer standpoint, he's an awesome model. Let's like let's be clear. He's yeah. a fantastic model, very easy to build. He's very reminiscent of some of the best models I think that have been out there. He's he's you know he's got enough variety that if you're going to run two, I think you're fine. <clears throat> now, if you want to run three, four, whatever, I think there's not enough variety in that one kit. Right. You well, you can only run three. One. So there you go. Yeah. But yeah. 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 <laughs> so you buy the frost one. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the alternatives because you you obviously we have the Mantic Giant. It comes in different flavors like Frost and Shadow Hulk. Yeah, but those weren't good enough for your army. So you went different route. So why don't you talk to? T- well, I I decided to go with a blend. The Mantic kit had multiple parts, mm. and so I actually thinking because of Conquest them being such a larger game. And this is what killed me, right? Like all their stuff is like, like 37 millimeter or some yeah. big, big scale. Yeah. So I start putting together their giant and luckily I stopped in the middle and I was like, I hadn't built the Mantic one yet. Yeah. I actually hadn't built the Mantic one Because he's actually not very big. He's No. He's, no, he's beefy, wide. Though. He's, 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 he's tall. thick, yeah. right? He's thick. like the movie twin. Thick giant. Right? You've got Arnold <laughs> and Danny DeVito. DeVito, right? That's right. And so as I'm building, I'm like, man, this doesn't seem right because I'm in my head, I'm picturing Matt's giant. I'm like, man, I feel like Matt's giant so much Because he's like eight or nine inches and this guy's probably... He's probably like six, maybe seven if you're lucky. Yeah. But he's a good two to three inches shorter than the other one because of the way he's built. So, yeah, I took the Conquest one and decided to build him. And I did did a head swap. I used the Mantic head, used some of the Mantic weapons, the different giant You extended his torso to make him a little taller. Yeah, made him a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The torso had to go up a lot. Had to to, uh, chop off his legs. Gave him a peg leg for one leg just because it got lazy after doing the other one. And so he's got like a peg leg that gave him some height. And then the other leg I actually extended with green stuff. A part of the Mantic extra arm, actually. So the Mantic arm 
because there's two different arms uh-huh. that the uh, one with the, the log and the other one's like a makeshift sword. Yeah, so I use mm. like his forearm uh-huh. and made that the new calf for the uh, for the uh, conquest nice. one, huh. and then built up the torso. So it's nice to see it's kind of a cloak. So you can kind of just hide a bunch yeah. of the crap in there. And so nobody has to see his thighs, you know, so. That's cool. You don't have that problem. And then took some of the Conquest parts, because that's the other thing, too, which was funny. The Conquest one had, like, a whole sprue of just bits, like broken arrows, shields. That's cool. All this kind of it's stuff. High, it's high-impact polystyrene. It's a nice kit. Yeah, and so I stuck a lot of that on the other, the Mantic Giant, just to beef him up, because he is. I mean, it's like, you got one tall, skinny giant compared to the Conquest one. Who's, who's a like, shorter, little, fat giant. Shorter, thicker. Yeah, it's like the older brother who, you know, took some roids when he shouldn't have. <laughs> so do you think the GW saw the height of the Mantic Giant and was like, man, we we can, we can do that too? Because that behemoth is like the same height. No, he's shorter. Oh, is he? He is, uh, he is again, probably an inch, two inches shorter than the Mantic Giant. Really? Which kills you, right? Because price-wise. Well, it, it's all relative, right? Like price, but quality. I mean, the the GW Giant is a nice giant. Oh, right? it's a very nice kit. But it's, you're right, it is $200. Yeah, here's the deal. If you're going on like hours of work to put one together and to get it to like master class, you're probably going to save time with the GW one. Yeah. Because you're not filling in gaps like you are a little bit with yep, the Mantic one. Exactly. But that's mm-hmm. no, no knock on the Mantic one. For what you get, it's the best deal in town for a giant. I've got a lot of GW 35. players. So yeah, buy them. Yeah, cause, well, even if you're using is it the Gargant? Is that the smaller version in that? Yeah, there's so, the smaller one, right? Yeah. Which I think the Mantic Giant's too big to use as a Gargant, but yes, that's my yes. my opinion. It's definitely a great kit. The giants that are all out there are all really nice. Now, well, I would say my Song of Ice and Fire was giants say, that I originally was going to yeah, use, those aren't going to work. They're like those look like ogres. Those are like three inches. That's yeah. yeah, they're probably like four. I mean, okay, you know, all right. Yeah. Oh, that's four, buddy. So, okay, all right. Uh, Fair enough. But yeah, they're definitely out of control. And I think that's where my like initial statement, like the giant's way too big. Like, because even like the dudes, it's like, I think he has like a dead body. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't the yeah. Mantic one have like a dead body hanging yeah, somewhere? They like, come, it comes with an upside smaller. down dead body. And it's funny because I'm using the Warlord 28 millimeter guys. Like this guy's even bigger than yeah, yeah. <laughs> most of mine. So mine look tiny compared to him. Oh, right. Because your your Warlord army is the, the Polish it, army. It's the Pike and Shot. Right. But they're era, but they're like but true they're, 25s. They're, they're, true yeah. twi- I think like your half men are bigger than his regular yeah, size men. Right. Just about. Yeah. Yeah, they're the malnourished kingdoms of men. Wherever they live, it's really cold. They don't get a lot of food. Potatoes, potatoes. That's Circling it. back to dealing with Mantic, what are some of the other companies that you deal with that, that may have something that that that, that they do that Mantic needs to take a page from their playbook? I think what's one thing that I like about some smaller companies, some smaller companies actually make it a whole lot easier. And I and I'm I have a mixed bag with this, right? Because as you as you take away the person-to-person contact, because I mentioned how good Kyle is. Yeah, It's also just a whole lot easier to have an online system where I can literally just build a whole cart. Well, GW has that too, right? No, GW. No, no, GW, I have to order my regular stuff. Uh-huh. I don't even have an order sheet. Okay, so so like there's there's ordering from GW, and then there's ordering from Mantic in a, in a good, better, best. So let's just okay. like go through that. So like good is I have a rep. I can email them a list of stuff that I want. If I'm not going to carry everything and I just want to order stuff for people that are asking, the GW system works great because I send an email with the list of stuff I want. I have no order sheet, nothing. Now, if I want to pay extra for stuff that they have as direct order only, then I can go to GW's website. I buy it just like a consumer does, but I have a discount in the back. Then we get to Mantic. Mantic has an order sheet. A lot of companies are like this, like your Corvus Belly that does Infinity. Majority of your companies probably are order sheet based. Then that gets sent to the rep. 
Then the rep actually pushes through the order to make sure everything's right, checks it, all that kind of stuff. The other companies that I really like, and this is something that I'll give Asmodi credit for, Asmodi required the email process like GW up until about four or five months ago. Mm-hmm. Now, I still have a, I still have a rep, but they have a dedicated website that I literally can go in and I can make every change and it keeps track of the stuff that I ordered in the past that was out of stock. It's all on a website. So I see my cart. I can build my cart throughout the week. At the end of the week, I can submit, submit my it. cart, yeah. right? That's helpful because I can also see their stock. Right, you get live inventory. Yeah, like I can see, okay, I can tell a customer, okay, I, I, I know you can see it on your customer website that it's available, but I'm on mine and it says it's not available, which is an issue that you have with, you know, your Mantics and your yeah. GWs. Now, Mantic, I'll do the same thing. Before I put it through on their on the order sheet, I'll check the website and be like, is this out of stock or in stock? Because there's been a couple times where I think there's like one Vanguard model. By the time it came in stock, Gorblight. it was like, yeah, that that damn thing. It was like four mm. months. Those players moved to Nashville. Like they're gone yeah, yeah. until that thing finally came in stock. And you have to do that. Like that's a little busy work having to email someone and be like, well, it said it's available on your website, but you didn't ship it. And then you got to do the waiting game and stuff like that. So I think from a standpoint of grow to the next level, and I get how difficult it is because I'm building a website, but they already have one. So what would be really nice is if I was able just to log in. As a store. As a store. And it gives you some kind of discount code. And it would just be automatic. Yeah. But that can be dangerous. So I get why they don't do it. That's why I think Asmodi has it to a better system because it's <clears throat> the, the website looked exactly the same, yeah. but it's a different URL. <laughs> It's I wonder in I, that manner. I wonder if Asmodi has like two sets of inventory. Like oh, this do. is the inventory for the for consumer, you know, direct to purchase, and then business to business. You know, yeah, they they I think they're I think they even go further with. I think they have the different warehouses that actually support. So they have their their west, their east, their midwest, their south, and so when even when I order. I'll be like, dude, like this is available on your website, and they'll be like, oh, but it's in the whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm ordering four hundred dollars worth of stuff. Figure out how can to we, make this can happen. We not, can we not get it to me? And they're and usually they're pretty good about it, but you have to give them that little push. Yeah. GW's one. GW's like, oh, this is our consumer inventory, and then we have your inventory. But then that's a crock too, because like if the consumer ever runs out, they just steal everything from trade. I'm like, I get why you do it, but don't try to tell me that you try to keep them separate for a customer service standpoint. Only your customer service, because I've never had a product where I was able to get it, but their website for you said they couldn't. Like, right. Let's be real. Which I get it again. But don't blow that smoke up my side because I got a freaking sales degree. I mean, I I get why you do what you do. It's what I do on my day job every day, too, is trying to figure out how do I make as much money for one company as I possibly can. And that's one. But I think that's probably one thing from a Mantic standpoint. I think the system today is fine. They probably need to get a warehouse in the U.S. Probably would help. Probably as they grow. Like, I think for what they do today, I think they're probably in a sweet spot. But I think if they want to grow like what they saw happen with Armada. You're in that difficult spot. You're going to take a hit. Same as War Room, right? We're a year into this. We've increased our loan so that we can grow the business to match the demand. Right. It could kill us, right? It could it well, could bite yeah, me in the you, butt. If you don't yeah. do it, yeah. if you don't follow through, yeah. It could bite us in the butt. Our website could fall, fall flat on its face, and we could you know, be in a difficult spot in six months to a year. But it's a risk I'm willing to take. And I think Mantic's probably coming up on that as you see third edition getting more traction. You see the yeah. different armies coming out. Like now, it's, it's really good to see it, right? They've got a new game coming out that's got traction. They got new armies for that coming out. And you've got new stuff coming out for Kings uh, Kings of War, mm-hmm. right? So you've got, I think, Goblins just came out. Rats are coming out. You know, you've got Salamanders. a lot of things mm-hmm. all coming up. If you're if you're not careful, you run into what I believe some of the other companies have run into in the past, which you miss the wave. 
of excitement. Well, it's just too much. So you got to find that that sweet spot. And, and when I say you miss the wave of excitement, meaning I think <clears throat> Star Wars Legion ran into this. I think when that game first dropped, and even some of their other Fantasy Flight games, they drop these games, everybody gets really excited about it. And there's that, that first wave that buys it up, and it's like everybody feels great. The second wave, when it doesn't come for too long, right? Mm-hmm. everybody loses interest. You've moved on to another game. Yeah, because you can't get what you wanted. Or the guy that you talked into playing the game is like, hey, I'm really excited to play this game, uh, but I want, I want light cruisers. The only way you can buy light cruisers is going to eBay for a scalper who sells them for $120 for a $25 kit. And no one could get them for six months. Or the like phase two battle droids that apparently they dropped a whole shipping container of them into the ocean. And so we didn't get them for a year. Our store never got the first batch, but they didn't have that stuff in the pipeline. Yeah. And so I think man is going to struggle with that if, if, if they see growth quickly. And it just depends on what they want to do. But I, I think a warehouse here would be good. I think an ordering system is probably something that they should probably think about. But I don't know their business, right? Like, I don't know what they're seeing on the back end. Like, they might be feeling great. Good for them with everything going on, with Great Britain getting shut down all the time. That's all. That's a wild card. Brexit and everything, because I would think it's going to make their cost of goods go up. Yeah, and I think I think that's a challenge, too, in the fact of, you know, I see that, I see that in my day job. When you have your eggs in that basket of everything's got to come out of one country. If something happens there, you're up the creek. Well, GW's in the same boat, right? Yeah. I mean, they mm-hmm. mostly make in the UK. I'm sure they still have some stuff in China, but they don't make anything here. No. Anymore. And they're so, supposed to. And, they, well, they, and they, they did for a while, but I mean, that, that I don't well, think they've been spin casting anything in Memphis for no. a long time. No. Well, I'm kind of curious, Armada, the signal it sends to Mantic, A, this is a great game system. You just underestimated how excited people were for it. Or B, is it that time for, maybe it's time, like you're saying, start looking at growing because third edition, they didn't kickstarter it. This one. Yeah, it's it, a real company. It's it, a real it's, company now. It, I yeah. mean, yeah, at this point it's yeah. kind of, is it that, is that potentially a signal of that's time? Yeah. I mean, you, you laugh at the Kickstarter. Like it was funny the other day we were talking about uh Dreadball that came up here and I'm like, I've actually owned a Mantic. Cause I didn't think I owned a Mantic game until I opened the shop and I go in my, into my freaking gamers closet of lost toys I have the Dreadball Kickstarter. The second edition. With the, the fancy neoprene mats and all the goodies. And, and never been opened. Never even opened it. Yeah. So. It's usually like the equivalent of Bed Bath & Beyond. Yes. Oh, my. You have, I have so many Adepticon like swag bags that are just stacked. Yeah. That my wife's like, you're upset you didn't get us. Like two years ago, I didn't get the VIG when they started doing that crap random drawing. Right. No no customer service there. I, I've, I've gotten randomly drawn never. And my wife's like, let's go in this room. And she's like, aren't these all these swag bags you need? And I'm that like, you don't use? Hey, hey. You know, like I said, I, I'm I'm very satisfied with Mantic's process that they've got right now. But I, I think, I think you know, there's definitely some things that these other companies have done. But they're just bigger companies. And it's just whether or not Mantic wants to invest. Well, uh, you know, I think I think there's GW, right? And then I'm thinking in terms of what you carry. Warlord's probably bigger. Asmodee's probably bigger. But they're part of a huge conglomerate, right? So, yeah. And that might be it, though. Because as I think about it, what's mm-hmm. funny is... GW, or I'm sorry, Warlord and Mantic, if I had to compare two companies that kind of have the same, they're kind of a mix. All three of them, GW, Mantic, Warlord, all in the UK. Yeah. They all do some of the same things from a strategy perspective. And I think it's intermingling of people in charge. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. it. <laughs> because they all have the same things. Yeah. And then you see from your US, US-based companies, Asmodee. there's more of an automated process or, where you get somebody involved when something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas the UK companies, it's like, I want the person to be involved, but it causes issues. Like I got that issue with Warlord right now. I had to freaking Facebook message my vendor guy just to ask some questions because they just stopped replying to emails. And they're in the US, just like Kyle is. They've got a guy here. But when I've got a message Facebook just to get an update on what's going on because you don't respond to stuff, but yet I still get your email every other day, you got a problem. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty good. We've beat that. We've beat that horse a little bit. Yeah. Let's definitely. uh let's dive in and talk about Kings of War. We'll start with Matt. Why did you decide to play Kings of War? What what, what you know what what was your personal decision? How how'd you come about that? Did, I'm gonna jump in. I, so growing up, I always played Dungeons and Dragons, and you know that's more of if there's a battle, you don't want it to be larger than really a small skirmish. But that was when Lord of the Rings had come out. So I had seen the big battles, and every time I DM'd, I wanted to do that, and all my friends would just roll their eyes like, oh, crap, this another big battle is going to take three hours to resolve. So nothing really happened story-wise. Then when I finally got this job, got some money, I wanted to get into fantasy because I loved the lore, I loved the history behind it. That happened to be 2015, and the bunker, they were saying, oh, we're killing it. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. And just put off the hobby there. Because growing up, I always saw the models. I always saw the storage, but I didn't have that money to be able to get, jump into it. So then when I came here, it was like, oh, there's actually a fantasy mass battle game. Then I did the demo with you and Bowen. Bowen had his elves. I think you had your... Uh, maybe Undead or Orcs, maybe? I, I, think, I think it was Ogres. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Ogres, are your, ogres are, are your go-to for demos. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah well, they're easy. It's like yeah, just push... It's like six bases, just but, run into each other. Because yeah. I remember it was me and Edwin, and we played each other, and y'all just did the step-by-step, here's right. how to do it, and kind of oh, yeah, repeating right. what Michael had said was, it was one that was, that's the rules? Because I tried to get into 40K, try to figure it out. The rules are so complex between the armies that it was, I think I've already got enough of a base handle on it that even if I don't know the fine tuning of this army, I still wouldn't just get curb stomped every time I play. What's nice about the game, like I said, is you you know enough after like 30 minutes to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Like you can play a game and enjoy yourself after just learning the game in about 30 minutes. So what armies do you play? So I've got Kingdoms of Men. Got to finish painting those. That's definitely a hobby goal this year. Pike and Shot models. Pike and Shot. Got some um, Polish Wing Lancers, I remember. Polish Wing Lancers, some Generals on Wing Beast. Love those guys. They're good. (laughs) And uh, a couple of cannons. A couple of cannons. Only a couple. I'm still trying to figure out where to... Yeah. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out because sometimes I'll take them and then they do awesome. And then I'll go for a streak. They don't hit a thing. And then are they sudden, are they painted? That may be not why they're not hitting. One of them's painted okay. halfway. It's just missing the wheels. Well, let's switch it over to Mike. <laughs> so obviously you've jumped into Kings of War. Let's start with this this question because this is interesting. You have a store that sells Mantic models, but you've chosen deliberately to not use Mantic models in your army. So speak to me about that choice and what does that say to your customers? <laughs> <laughs> so definitely getting put on the spot there. So let's let's talk about getting into it first. So I got in Vanguard first, and that was really just. Like, you guys were playing Vanguard, and I was like, oh, what the hell, I'll play. And I already had the starter box for Song of Ice and Fire that I got, like, three years ago at Adepticon. And I'm, and I'm really not the guy, like, I don't pull stuff off the shelf. Like, that's one thing. I don't I don't deal with my own supply of – because that, that can get really bad. Well, you don't ever – yeah, you don't ever use from your own supply. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because then it can just get out of control. But I already had the starter box, and I was like, well, wait a minute. There's enough stuff in the starter box that I can play Vanguard. So I played a couple of games. And I was like, you know what? This is pretty cool. And I will say, you know, one of the things from a consistency standpoint, you guys are here every Wednesday. So Wednesday, I don't know if you guys know this, but that's probably the only night that if I ever do play, I play. Right. And it's more of like, that's my break. Like that's my break <laughs> from doing anything. And so coming up here and you guys did the, we did the Vanguard thing for a few weeks and then 
I think at that point I was just like, you know what, I'll I'll give Kings of War a try. But I play humans. So what you're saying is that for you, Vanguard was your entry into it Kings was. of War. It okay. was. That's why I think it I think for a, for someone who's plays multiple games, yeah. Vanguard to me is not very difficult. There's a lot of nuance to the game. Yeah. You know, you got to build a, a legal list. You do. That's be, the first. That's the first thing. Or you get called out on it. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> first game, I build a list. And I'm like, well, this seems really good. And we're like halfway through the game. Rob's like, well, that's illegal. That's why that's working. <laughs> it's too I many mean, nights. Who, yeah. Why can't I take four nights? You know? Exactly. So I think it was just the nuance of that. And then I play humans. And wh- and, wh- why do you play humans, though? I, I don't know. I really like. you play me, Imperium like in stuff like. I in play Imperial Forge. Guard. Yeah. I play in every game. When I, when I played fantasy back in the day, I played Empire. So I've just, I always, I don't know why. Humans is, is I think, I think for me, it's the best <laughs> faction to get started in any game. Because usually they're like a baseline. They're like the baseline of they've got really good stuff. They've got bad stuff, but they're, they, they're not great at anything. But they're just kind of even keeled across the game. So I've always really leaned on that. And that was the first game I ever, that's the first faction, right? I'm 12 years old. I came into a G, into a uh, local store and I bought a Cashton Jungle Fighter squad. Cause so I was like, these dudes look like Rambo. Catachan, yeah. yeah like, a bunch of Rambos. I can, I can run a whole army of Rambos. Um, so this is awesome. Like, I even put the, you know, red bandana on all of them. So I've always done humans first. And then that's usually my, you know, getting into the game. I'll play them for a while before I'll jump into some other type of faction. I would have done Basileans, right? Is that, mm-hmm. that's, that's the other. I don't part. know. That, I think it's I, the Salians yeah, now. Yeah, I don't even try because every podcast I listen to, they say it different. Well, so. and there's yeah. an official pronunciation now. Yeah, now do which the is Basileans. I don't know. I, I still call Basileans. I still call it Basileans. So that's what that's, the, I'm just going to keep going with that. I saw theirs, but I think I asked somebody the first, like, day I thought about doing Kings of War and people were like, oh, they're kind of broken. And I was like... The Bastlands? Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, well, I don't want to play them then. Like, mm-hmm. if they're if I'm just going to walk into something that's already kind of... Like I said, I like playing like kind of even keel uh, stuff. So I picked up the Uncharted book and I was like, oh, Kings of Men, that's cool. Because yeah. I was playing Leagues of Rodia for, for Vanguard. Right. Well, I picked up their book and I didn't understand the nuance of the book. And I'm like, they're all halflings. This crap. I'm not playing halflings. Halflings <laughs> yeah. suck. You know, in my opinion. I know some people like halflings. I like halflings. Well, uh, I don't play them as halflings, though. I play them as yeah, men. Yeah, playing so. Kings of Men. And so then I just, like, went left and found the uh, the Kings of Men army. And Manta doesn't have models for Kings of Men. Intentionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never, never going to. Never going to have well, Warlord models. Warlord makes them. I mean, so many copies make it. Why would you get into that market? No, and that makes perfect sense. So to, to answer your point, it wasn't a mental decision like, I'm not going to buy Mantic models. Okay. So the army came first, and then the realization the you couldn't came. actually buy. Oh, yeah. I went to their website, and I'm like, oh, why aren't there any Kingdoms of There's no men. Right. Other than Basilean. I almost picked up Northern Alliance just because of that. But then again, somebody was like, oh, Northern Alliance is kind of broken. I was like, oh. They're not broken. I don't think really – I don't really think any of the armies are really broken, right? It's, it's all – I think it's I think it's all based on who you talk to, right? You yeah. talk to people who got curb stomped by something. They're like, well, that's ridiculous. So right. I picked up them. And honestly, too, obviously, ease of entry, too. Like I said, I'm not just going to pull stuff off the shelf. Yeah. I had the starter box again for – But you could have chosen to use Stark. You, you, you instead used the pretentious Lannisters. I did use Lannisters. So I like about? Lions. Okay. So my, right. my 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 40K army is lion-themed, too. So it's okay. just like something about lions. They're cool. Why would you want to be a, a wolf when you can be a lion? Like, seriously. If you're coming if you're coming back through, like, reincarnated, and then God's like, hey, wolf or lion, who's picking a wolf? 
Really? That's true. I mean, come on now. And then we were just obviously pushing bases, and it was like, okay, well, I only need so many guys. Well, you're still pushing bases, let's be honest. I hey, I got guys sticky-tacked to bases. You know what they are. So that's why I picked them. You know, I already had ease of entry. I already had all the models. I wasn't – A Song of Ice and Fire really hadn't taken on at the shop. I played like three games of Song of Ice and Fire, yeah. and then basically I jumped over to Kings of War – and I haven't played another game of Song of Ice and Fire since. Yeah. Um, and I can't now because I pretty much gutted all the bases, everything off of my Song of Ice and Fire stuff. So now they're Because yeah, you've legs. popped little integrated bases off of oh, them. Oh, yeah, because yeah. the stuff I've been playing with you guys is not the stuff I've been painting. So yeah. it's just oh. like, oh. well, yeah, I've been painting models the whole time. We just haven't seen it. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> I didn't know is, he paints. I didn't either. Oh. <laughs> I thought he paid people to paint. Yeah, I do. I do that. But these guys, they're already like, I, they're they're good because they're already built. Look right? at you, so hidden, Ma- hidden Michelangelo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I took. Well, I think I, I think you're up here the one night I was scraping them all off their stuff. Maybe. Yeah. So I got that, and which was a bad idea because I'm like, oh, these would have been so much easier to paint if I'd have left them on the base till they were done being painted. Yeah. I went with those, but I'm looking at a couple other armies. I got some that I'm that I'm thinking about. I think I know enough about the game now to where I'm I'm probably gonna build a list and then buy the models for that list. How'd you end up settling on Kingdoms of Men as well? <laughs> some of it was in the fantasy side. I didn't even know who to go with because it's like historically Dungeons and Dragons, always elves. I love the elves of Lord of mm-hmm. the Rings, but it was just, I kind of want to go for them all. So it was one of these, okay, let's go with more relatable humans and then we can figure it out from there as I learn the game and as I understand it. Well, and I also think too, you were also <laughs> part of that wave of guys who all bought Warlord. Yeah, we, we were all of, playing uh-huh. bolt action. We, were we had a lot of historical action, guys. Um, and you all rolled right into historical Kings of War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was originally we were thinking, oh, we can build this one army to play two game systems. Yep. Yeah, and I love that idea of being able to utilize I, yeah. that army. And for so you've more got a historical one. army, or you have a Kingdoms of Men army. Um, I know we've got Andrew that. Uh, yeah, we have Samurai. Yeah, do Samurai. And more, got, Evans had, was going to do Macedonian, but I think he sold those all off now. Yeah, John Rogers has those. So no, he, he doesn't play any games. He just buys. If it's metal, mm-hmm. he buys it, which is really weird. He loves all metal models. Yeah, I'm huh. exactly. Total I hate metal. It was just, it was more of, it's like, I didn't know who to go with, so let's stick with the historical faction that I kind of liked, thought was cool, the Polish Wing to Sarge. is like, that's a neat thing right mm-hmm. there. Just because awesome. I'd been on Netflix, I think, a couple weeks before, and they had that, I can't remember the name of the movie. It's really, really the crappy. Siege. The Siege. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, terrible. it's terrible. But it's good. But it ends with, like, the Polish Wing to Sarge. It's like the Siege in. of... It's the Siege of Vienna, Vienna with the Ottoman yeah. Turks. So it's like a giant. It's, it's terrible. Polish Don't watch siege. it. Don't watch it. Well, you it's, get to see the, but you do get the costumes are awesome. Oh yeah, I mean, from a cavalry charge, it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. But um, the looking Acting, later storyline, everything else. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, oh, the graphics are terrible. Afterwards, it was the big downside. Was like, oh man, none of my guys actually look Polish, other than the cavalry. I got you know. Right, because your other guys just pike and shot generic. Pike and shot, and it's like a fantasy, the Empire guys, Lance Connects. Yeah. Yeah, they got the big poofy shirts and pants, and it's like, eh, it's fun. It doesn't entirely look it, but okay, we'll roll. I don't remember hearing any flack. Were you, were you giving any flack about those not being Mantic models? Oh, you're well, the but store. You, but I don't. I mean, but you own the store. You, you, you <laughs> comes with, it's like, you know, it's like being the deacon in the church. You're all right. You, yeah. ha- you have yeah. a, a higher standard uphold. Don't go yeah. to another church. <laughs> right. 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 It's really weird then. Obviously, we've been playing some Kings of War. Kind of where are you at in terms of playing the game, competitive level? I mean, where are you at? Like, you got a lot, lot to learn, a lot more to grow. What? Oh, I'm easily expert level now. Expert level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you can beat no. me, so that's, <laughs> that's something. Unfortunately, I transitioned very quickly to every mission trying to figure out how do you 
nuance right. all the parts of the mission to make it more difficult. And I, that's just my problem. Like my problem going into a game, I'm like, I don't look at storyline unless we go into it thinking storyline. I go into it thinking, how do I win this game with as little effort as possible? Yeah. <laughs> and see if it works out. Well, that's what cannons come in, right? Well, yeah, cannons, uh, they suck. No, I think, I think that's the challenge, right? So I think I've probably changed my list... I think probably about four times from a major standpoint. Like, I got into it because I like the knights. Figured you out were playing a lot of cavalry for yeah, a while. Yeah, figured out pretty quickly that Kingdoms of Men is not the army to play if you really like knights. I think there's some other armies that probably would be better if I like the the mounted Probably Brotherhood. Um... Yeah. And so I think kind of pushing away from those and, and really, for me, the core... Which is really funny. Like when I first started, I was like, giants suck. I think I played with my two giants the first game. And I was like, these are horrible. Took them out, played with knights for like. Well, I think the first few times you played them, you left them like behind everything. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Totally misplayed them. (laughs) Right. And then switched over to where basically the giants became like the meat. You shove them up in there, baby. Just just (laughs) swing away. (laughs) Shove them up the gut. If you kill them, you kill them. But no matter what, you're going to stop. So I think doing stuff like that. But I I enjoy the game. I think I can. I think I can hold my own. I think my challenge is the first turn is probably still where playing more games. I'll probably make better decisions. Because I think every game that we've played in, you know, with both of you is like, I think by turn three, I'm making much better decisions. But turn one... You have a hard time making that decision. Do I push or do I... Yeah. Am I, do I constrain myself? Like, you got to be able to read the table and be like, oh, it's time all in quicker. Because there's been some games where, uh, well, we played goblins, a goblin flea bag army, like yeah. all flea bags all over the place. And you sort of just sat back there and let me completely envelop the army. I'm like, all right, I'll take the flanks if you, you can let me have it. Yeah. And then other times where you pushed it forward uh, and it to your detriment. So it, it, it's hard, right? That's, that's Oh, yeah. It's, it's learning all the different other lists. Like that's, well, that's, not, that's, that's it right like there. Learning. Well, even with the lists, depending on what your objective or what scenario you're playing, like that's one thing I'm starting to play around with is okay if i've got two lists 1995 and 2300 what's the best deployment for assuming where objectives tokens might be what's my best way so that when i when we roll off first scenario okay i got a game plan for how to try to use these guys because that's where i think it's almost pre-step one all right deployment yeah i don't pay any attention to deployment That's he just puts you just stuff throw down. stuff out there Here's and then the see thing. what happens. I think I think I think every game that I've lost, if it went another turn, I was going to win. Well, you're oh, a gambler. Had, that's a difference, right? So yeah, you like, know. and that's where I think like I'm failing early. Hence the oh deployment. You just put stuff on the table. We'll, we'll figure this out. I'd be the worst general ever. I'd be like, I know we're going to lose thirty percent of our guys before I figure out my strategy, but that's okay. But that's thirty percent of more gold spread around. Exactly. Well, you know, ensnaring. Phalanx are the solutions to all problems, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I learned very quickly. I like it's that. funny because all three of us are blanking those men. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that in the shop. That's why probably why we don't see as much cavalry. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, especially definitely. with your redeployment. Um, with oh, the yeah, captain. The, the captain. I, I just remember that first time you pulled it out. It's like, I'm feeling good about Squat, this. And he goes, squ- oh, wait, hold on. I've got uh, the tactical redeployment, uh, D3. Oh, what do you know, D3? And then right in front of my knights and my mounted sergeant, boom, cavalry or uh, pike block. No, it's a good one. I mean, it's a good That's one. A good I, 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 When I wrote my first list, I liked the captain in there because I was like, oh, with the knights, this would be great. Well, right? you can make sure that if you have n- cavalry, you can make sure that they avoid phalanx, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and if you have the pike blocks, which I, I don't know a single Kings of War player that's playing Kingdoms of Men that wouldn't take at least one pike block. I mean, it's so damn good. It, oh, yeah. 
Well, that and even I learned from you, Michael, take two general and some winged beast. I mean, that has helped me so much with if a character gets behind my line, starting to wreak havoc, turn them both into a scissor maneuver. And it's like, I got you one way or another. Yeah. So over to you. Where are you at in the King's War journey? Um, Right now, it's trying to more finish up painting my army, get my first army fully painted, get them the basing done. Really, for me, I think I want to try to maximize my list for trying to find what's my list for all objectives, as many armies as I can, because I think you had said you're on your fourth list of building for Kingdoms of Men. I'm, yeah, but I try not to change it too much because yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I just uh, changed both of mine, and I think this is my third one, and I let them run since October of trying to see, you know, let's try to play a few different armies. Let's try to few, play a few different scenarios before I start making changes because it could have been, it's a dice game, lucky roll. Yeah, um, you rolled and, Snake Eyes twice against me, so, uh, and that lost you the game. So I'm trying to forget that one. Dice rolls happen. <laughs> dice rolls happen. But trying to figure out how to how to play that better, and then from a hobby side, just get it done. Yeah, hobby is hard, right? Because like, I think that's you know, it is a big investment. Like you got to spend a lot. I mean, this is not like ten models. This is 150, 200 models, and I think that's maybe one of the biggest hurdles that new Kings of War players have. It is not an easy task to get all that built. And that's why leagues and slow mm-hmm. grow things like that are important because well, you can sort of build into it you know well even when covid time. hit i totally stopped painting because playing the game that's my incentive to let's see this get through let's see it done so that first three months when everything shut down my hobby side just outside of vanguard died no but i think you know but that's what's really cool about king's war and i don't, and I don't think we i don't think we push that enough in the shop and i don't think as a community i see people push that enough too which is that is a big roadblock it's like well, this, this squad is really good, right? But do players getting into it understand, you know what? Don't worry about buying four boxes of pikemen. Get one box and just get all your front rows done. Get those done and have those on the tail. Because right. I think I look at some list of guys who that play up here who their army's done in their mind. <laughs> right. And I'm like, bro, I could have that done in a weekend if yeah. I really pushed. Yeah. But in my brain, what sets me off? Go ahead and call him thing. out. Who are we talking about? Uh, G O A D. I think he's one <laughs> of Chris Goad. Yeah. <laughs> I see like five skeletons on a base. And I'm like, bro, like you can spray those off white and a wash and you can have 50 of them done because I painted it <laughs> yeah. a uh, yeah. Camry yeah. army yeah. many yeah. times. I think that's the mindset too that that you have to push with people like getting to the bases. And this is the pot calling the kettle black because my guys aren't painted. But. You, you do the bases the first, and it's like once you've even set up to say, I know these three or four units are what I want. You're going to build your whole army around this, so yeah. start with that. So get, you know, 16 of those guys painted and just get them on the front row, right? And I think that's something Austin tried to do with his dwarves. Yeah. And then he got out of control, and he was like, well, i got to paint all my dwarves. No, just get the front line done, and then as you build – now, if you want to go play in tournaments and stuff like that, yeah, you're going to have to invest more. But at that point, you're going to spend $100, $200 to go travel to a tournament for hotels and everything. Yeah, you're already yeah, investing at that you're point. Gonna, mm-hmm. You're going to need to buy more models. But if you're playing up here, I don't think anybody would be mad if it's like, okay, yeah. all my bases have a front row completely painted, done, mm-hmm. ready to go. Stuff like that's one thing. It's an easy game to do that because unlike the other games, the other games is every single base has to have a model. So you almost have to have an individually based game. You yeah, almost you, have to have $700 invested in your army of 40K mm-hmm. to come on a Tuesday and play a 2,000 point game. Because you need there the models. There is no middle. There's no middle ground. And I'm telling you right now, like, I'll play you one time in a game of 40K with bases. 
But after that, I'm done. Well, it's because, hard, right? Because if oh, it's true, you there's on the so many different ways of yeah. it's true line of sight. Yeah. And then there's just so many ways a space marine can be equipped. Yes. It's like, okay, well, does he have a Yeah, like what's that base? Oh, that base is your plasma? Cool. You know, like how can you tell that one from all the other ones around it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's something big too, that again, as we build up our community and stuff like that, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to into COVID is getting people in here to be like, hey, tonight. Let's just work on you getting five guys done for the front of your blocks Mm -hmm. or get your colors blocked out. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm trying not to do my space marine method, which is basically color blocking, dip and spin with army painter and then, you know, finish them up. I'm actually going to try the other method, which I know I'm going to abandon probably after like 10 models. Well, and yeah. So like you had said, I just come in here hot and heavy um, making all of the mistakes with Kingdom's just first army ever. Yeah. So now I'm starting to play around with, okay, Sylvankin, let's learn from that mistake. Get the bases, get the stats, do a couple now, which of Which one are Sylvankin? Are they like, the, like wood elves? people? The wood elf kind of oh, guys. Oh, the wood elves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's Age of Sigmar. No. Hmm? Is that it's, Age of Sigmar? It's Kings of War. It's Sylvankin are Kings of War. Oh, Sylvaneth. No, Sylvankin. Sylvaneth. Sylvankin. I'm saying. So Sylvankin are Kings of War. Sylvaneth is Age of Sigmar. Gotta get those IPs, baby. Gotta get those IPs. Yeah. Yeah. Very Try to play with them of like, okay, let's do the bases. Let's do the, put the stats on there. Get a representative model on there. So at least you know, okay, that guy is an archer or that guy swords and pikes. So at least visually. You're painting, you painted your Blood Bowl team Mm -hmm. as a practice for the Kings of War army. Yeah. That's what's really good with these Vanguard games, stuff like that is. Painting five or six to ten models, and you get done, you're like, ugh. When you paint 20 models in a color scheme that you're not happy with, oh yeah, that kills the hobby, I think. Exactly. Well, let's jump over mm-hmm. and talk about Vanguard. Matt, your experience. Let's just, you know, uh, let's chat yeah. about your experience with Vanguard. Yeah, um, when we jumped in this spring, I, uh, that was when the Abyssal Dwarfs, the new models had come out. So I went ahead and jumped in on those because was, I was tired of painting. It's probably a paint. Mike's fault, let's be honest. Oh, I'm sure. You offered like significant discounts on boxes. Yeah, and I think I gave everybody like twenty percent off. Yeah, I'm like let's yeah. get in this game. Let's do a league. <laughs> it worked though. A lot, of, a lot of people. A lot of it was a lot of excitement. What can I say? You put it on shelf, and I'm shelf, and I'm a sucker. So yeah, yeah. February first, we're gonna start a new league. That's right. Be great. Right. More deals on the way. Exactly. <laughs> but we saw the new models, and I was just tired of Kingdoms of Men because I've been pushing since last October. It's like so many men. Yeah, having to push. I just needed a break of something different. So it was fun. It wasn't too many models, but it was just something different. And it was like, all right, I like the squad idea of same universe, same armies, but you get the skirmish idea. And the fact that if you structure it right, you could play it to, okay, what happens in Vanguard could affect your Kings of War game. Oh, yeah. I, I, we, yeah, haven't, we haven't so, been we, able we to We haven't do, tapped that enough, We haven't right? ta- yeah. tapped that, but I love the concept. Same thing with our now Armada in there of you can have an interactive campaign. Yeah. That so if you've got multiple you know, levels, you've got boats somewhat, and yeah, the 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 scouting force that came off the boats and looking at the, the yeah. battleground. The the tricky part though that I mentioned in the I don't know if you listened to the episode about Vanguard, you know, is that until recently I haven't played the same army in Kings of War and Vanguard. So yeah. you know that's that's the tricky well, it's part because you're a competitive player. You're playing the best of. Oh, any is that army what it is? Fine. You saw the expertise that I pushed I with see. Kingdoms of Men. You're like, well, I'm going to get in on that. <laughs> well, technically, I've had the Kingdoms of Men for a while, but yes, <laughs> but you're right. But that, but that's the thing, right? Like, if you wanted to have that full narrative experience, you got to have. So, like, mm-hmm. I guess I need to build a Kingdoms of Men armada. If that's well, your go, if that's your, if that's your go to, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm gonna I, keep going. Now that, now that we know the rules. The hard thing is that the the armies aren't entirely balanced. 
that's oh, that's yeah. what that's what we found. I mean, that's if that's if there's any draw, that is the biggest downside. But you can you can usually we we've messed with that with just the missions. Yeah, because there's certain armies like I'm not playing you like in that mission. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you think about which is the which is the mission with like the three houses to burn. Oh, and oh didn't God. you play yeah. uh, John? I played John, and he had Empire of Dust, and yeah. they had the entomb ability, which meant for 12 inches he could entomb guys anywhere. just anywhere. Yeah, and so basically turn one. What and was he doing? with yeah, me playing Abyssal Dwarves, he's popping up within 10 within uh, range to charge the store that he's got to burn. My Abyssal Dwarves are moved speed four. It's going to take yeah. me two turns to even get over there to do anything about it. There were issues with that, and then while the Abyssal Halfbreed has the speed and power to deal with it, points-wise for the Warband, I can really only afford to take one. If I take two, then I have fewer units. Yeah. Once one of them dies, I'm significantly underpowered. And where's he at by the time the middle of the game starts in? He's not oh. with the rest of his crew. Oh, yeah, I've, I've already lost. I'm just playing kill as many as I can so I don't lose yeah. as badly. Um, or even going up against you, I play too thematically. Yes, yes, that was by far one of my the, the, the day of Vanguard we had, uh, where we had the set missions and the carts and everything. That was that was probably yeah baggage that was train. I felt bad as a as a gamer that day. No, you're such you, a power gamer. No, you taught me you taught me a, a valuable lesson of you know hurry up grow up young man. Uh, <laughs> here's how to play competitively. I'm playing too thematically of the baggage train. Oh, we're all walking and facing one direction. I don't know. He's going to ambush. He sets his guys on either side of the road. He goes oh. You're playing thematically. Okay, let's see how this does. Two turns later, uh, the ambush was very successful. Yep, um, nobody knew it was going <laughs> well, on. When, when you have three knights, it always helps, right? Oh, my infantry was getting in combat that game, Oh, too. my gosh. Uh, the, First turn. The wagons that don't even hit back were really his biggest obstacle. No, Vanguard, That's a it's a it's a pretty fun game. But I do mm-hmm. agree. I think, I think the challenge with that is everybody's got flavor, <laughs> but some of their flavor is very good. For the missions, mm-hmm. and you take an army like a dwarf army, where it's just like, I can go run and get the objective, and then basically you can never get. Me. Oh, right, if you're playing oh, against yeah. dwarves, yeah. Because yeah. against uh, Austin, the only reason I was actually able to catch him when he was playing abyssals was my dice were on fire, and I was killing him, and it was a hail mary long distance shot with a rocket launcher, and I managed to just kill them all and that's the only way we were able to win was objectively it was a draw but i won by just knocking out his entire war band yeah you almost feel like dwarves need shooting in vanguard mm-hmm. and a well, little bit longer and they range. have shooting but like we, yeah we do but it's so limited i think 12 inch range well the problem is shoot the in vanguard shooting can be super over the top if it's with an army that has a lot of movement so Trider yes. Realms, right? Like they can take yes. take a bunch of yes. shooters and they can like move a ton. Group action. Exactly. You, yeah. you saw that a few times, right? Yeah. yeah. Now the difficulty is that they don't have a lot of piercing. So no. it still takes a lot of shooting to kill those knights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, even, and I think the scout special rule, they maybe need to take a lo- double check at because where your deployment zones are, if somebody has scout, that's two thirds or three quarters of the board they've already got control of. Right. And yeah. right now you only have to stay four inches away from objectives, which... It's a little unfortunate because... Because I remember playing uh, Thomas. Thomas with the Vaseline. He, he goes, he said, I'm trying not to be a jerk. Here's how I'm reading <laughs> But the he's going to be a jerk. Here's that's how, here's that's always no, that, that's <laughs> always a good way to know someone's going to be a jerk. Uh-huh. Well, well, he's competitive, and I don't blame him for that, but he said, here's how I'm reading the rule. Do you interpret it differently? Mm-hmm. And I read it, and I think you're reading it correctly. Mm-hmm. It's just a very powerful ability that you have a few units that have, depending on deployment zones... Just control of the board, and again, me playing this coming perspective of abyssal dwarves, you know, short little moves. 
Yeah. yeah. It, so that, that was one of the biggest gripes we had when we chatted about when me and Matt were chatting about. Uh, me and Crozier were chatting about Vanguard. You know, there is some imbalance in some of the scenarios given the the, the armies, right? Mm-hmm. Or and, and, but but somebody brought up a good point. You know, that's life, right? Like sometimes you you pick the army, right? Like and some are going to be to your advantage and some aren't. But I think generally there's probably still some things they need to do just to help some of those slower armies. For example, Dragon's Egg, mm-hmm. right? Dragon's Egg. You got the Dragon's Egg way down there. But if you got a guy that can run. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or a scout that can stand four inches from the dragon egg. Right? Yeah. Game yeah. First turn, short move to touch it, short move to pick it up. Yeah, he may only be moving six or whatever now, but now he's running. He's Turn mm-hmm. one, he's already got the egg, right? And so that that that, that is problematic, right? Like mm-hmm. Some of the armies, too, the power. Power dice, and now I could be wrong on that one. No, I call it like power dice rich and power dice poor. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and I understand thematically probably some should be Power dice rich, like if you are undead, oh, yeah. your whole army is you need it. But some armies struggle with dice, mm-hmm. <laughs> and but yet still need it. It's built internally that they need those dice. Your your list, I mean, it needs <laughs> dice, right? And you're you're never <laughs> power dice. Get them. Well, I mean, you have a lot of reds. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. reds for days. Yeah, it's for days, man. Same for Abyssal Dwarves. It's a great list. It has everything you <laughs> because need. Because I think you can you can make new foot guard, right? Yeah. And, if you uh, and those are warriors, too. Yeah, they're not grunts. So you're yeah. making non-grunt models yeah. every turn. Yeah. And if you take two of those characters, you can make more. But I like, my, I like my knights, so I don't take those. Yeah. Yeah, well, you so, like your knights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you have three when you have three knight-sized models and you're able to create non-grunt models that don't count towards your breaking uh, rules. Yeah. Like, you're just feeding them. Like, go ahead exactly. and kill them, bro. I'll, another one will be back <laughs> exactly. next turn. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, they're pretty sweet. Notice he doesn't have any... Self restraint. No. Why would you? <laughs> He's shameless. He is shameless. That's the. Worst I do. Part. I do think though that is the deal though with so many missions. I think when you're playing just like a like pickup game, like right. If we're playing a game, I think it's probably behoove us to talk about what mission we're going to play because mm-hmm. we need to pick something that the dwarves. And I think you let the mission kind of balance out. Like we play that same well, mission where you're not facing all your models the exact same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you flip some around and you move it around. That's a difficult mission for me now because you can counter hit everything within that range. Right. But you take a day of missions, right? Then you almost have to make sure that the different missions negatively impact this build where, you know, so that mission you're going to be screwed. But the other mission, you're going to have a win. And I think that's the challenge. When yeah, you're so pick a pickup game. If you're going to roll the scenario, you should probably let the person build their list after they know the scenario. Yeah. Somebody yeah. made the comment, well, you can take – they have faster stuff, right? Like you could take it. Oh, yeah. To, we, to a degree, there is some, but like the well, stuff that's fast isn't that good. Yeah, because uh, I remember – Originally, you were playing dwarves. Yeah. So against my abyssal dwarves, we were all the same speed, and it was it, fine. It, it, it never turned into really the objective; it just turned into a game of kill because we kept meeting at the objective at the same time. At the same time. Yeah. So then it became who who could last the longest. I mean, to be fair to the abyssal dwarves, they've got good armor because I remember so many times you were playing uh, so good <laughs> forces of nature. You hits the ground after they die. You just hear try realms. Oh, yeah. You god. kept going. Oh my gosh! I just hit this I guy cannot with kill five. Them. Harpoons, and, and I still cannot there. kill this guy. I cannot kill him. Yeah, I mean, if we can get through your group action of shooting, your guys are dead. Oh, no, no. That's <laughs> for sure. Like, with the Triarums, they're fast. But if you touch them, mm-hmm. they, 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 they're they like sushi. Yeah. Serve them up. You bring up a good point, though. I think I think one of the things as we, as we go into trying to think about doing a league, I really like the idea of you pick your faction, but you 
figure out your mission first, and then both players can write up their lists. Yeah. So you can build a list. Like maybe for the week, we're going to play this scenario, and everybody knows that going Mm -hmm. in, so you try to build a list Mm -hmm. that's specific. There are some scenarios you can't build for. Oh, yeah. The giant scenario, right? Like, kill a giant. Okay, well, that's... Or even Portal. Portal, yep. The only thing is great. I love that. I, I really so love that amazing. one. So Portal <laughs> is the most non-deterministic scenario ever, right? Like you have no idea are your guys going to get sucked in or not to the point where it probably does behoove you to take more grunts because if you're going to lose them, you might as well lose them. Yeah. Lose cheap. But for Mike, it doesn't care because he just makes another guy next turn. Yeah. And let's be clear. I, my, my, my first Vanguard game was Abyssal, the demon people. Right. You did. You did yeah. play those first. Why didn't you stick with that? Because uh, literally the first game I showed up to play them, somebody else was like, oh, I want these and bought them all. Oh, right. Then, bought them for me. That's right. And they were already built too, right? Or something? No, I built mine. Oh, you That's, did? I actually built all of them, had them all primed. Oh, okay. Had already started painting them before I ever played. Right. And then I played one game with them. And then two other people were like, that's what I'm going to run. I was like. Well, yeah. When right. you play a league, you kind of want to like have people run different things. Well, like you're running yeah. League Aurora, right? Which is weird. But like. Nobody was running. But nobody was running. I'm going to run Kingdoms of Men. There's a lot of people that are going to pick yeah. up starter boxes. And we want those to be available to the people that are yeah. that are here. And I picked. I mean, let's talk about like, you know, for me, for Vanguard, like I asked you, like, because I was trying to figure out prior games I played. I played Kemri um, back in the day where you could create units. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, does anybody do that? And we were like, well, nobody really does that in Kings of War. And I'm reading the Vanguard book for the first time. And I'm like, you can bring in a militia dude. Yeah. All the crap, like a human army creates dudes. Well, he's not creating, he's hiring them, right? He's like bringing them in. Yeah, exactly. He's just calling, he's blowing the horn. They're coming in. They've always been there. And that's the only reason why I picked that list. I didn't even know it was a mainly a halfling mixture. I was like, and I actually thought it was stupid. I was like, why is the only bowman a halfling? Right. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And then, because uh, I thought, oh, Halfling Brave, that's just to have some cheap unit in case you need to fill in your points. But I didn't understand the game at that time. So, obviously, with my first list build, what I have? Three knights and the large cavalry knight? Yeah, you had yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah you, yeah, you were all. I think, I think the only thing that really was the problem was I had, like, four grunts or four warrior size. Maybe. Guys. And you were like, dude, you have to have five. Yeah, you got to have five you, grunts and or warriors. I think that might have been it. You didn't yeah. have the, yeah. You were like, where's the rest? I was yeah. like, I'll have five in a second. The big thing I know for Abyssal Dwarves, I was still trying to understand where do slave orcs fit in. They are a grunt with two wounds, which is awesome. Which is awesome, but if they... But then the slave driver rule did not make sense for them because it seemed... There's a few of those rules that it's like they maybe just need to clarify or yeah. focus on the wording some. Because there's, I remember so many times, I'm reading it this way. Rob, how are you reading this? Yeah. Michael, how are you reading yeah, this? Yeah. And you could get a few different translations from the... That's something that occurs when you have a lot of individual... Unit rules, Age of Sigmar probably has the same situation, right? Like, because in Vanguard, that's not like Kings of War. Kings of War, all your generic rules are the generic rules. And then mm-hmm. yeah. in Vanguard, there's a lot of specific stuff that only this unit has this spell. Only this unit has this. Sp- one guy. One yeah. guy has a yeah. special. And so there is a lot of that, you know, and, and, and maybe that's where the depth comes is in. Is it unique? Is it not? I don't know. Exactly. Remember the first time I played, I was like, well, what can't. And I think that's a lot of those. Like, it's one of the few times where playing the other games that I've played, it's like, that makes sense. Reading this exactly yeah. to the letter, Rules is don't written. deviate. What other skirmish games have you played, Matt, and, and how does it compare to that? So I did do demo games of Infinity. I liked some of the look of some of the models, but it's such a thought game even before you ever get to the board that it was like, uh, it's my, my, Vanguard's my complicated, but not, not to the same yeah. level. Yeah. Really? That's the, well, I did try to play kill team at the bunker a while back. Um, we'd started a slow grow league there. I enjoyed the small skirmish one because it's, if it's just one of those nights you don't have time or it's just a day, it's, Hey, I'm just looking for a quick game. Let's get it in done with. 
it was a little difficult to get into because of all the rules and you know that first two months it's like coming back oh we've been doing this wrong here having to learn that yeah. refinement mm-hmm. once we got through that once that what two three month period of just consistently going through it really after the first three or four weeks we had it down pat but it was just still just reading the rules going through it because it was just so much more crunchy compared to kings of war standard yeah that and, now- that, and that's been the complaint from the kings of war crowd i think is that it is way more complicated than the Kings of War. And I think maybe in their mind they were coming into it thinking that it was going to be Kings of War light. It, mm-hmm. It's not. It's, and, it's its own thing. But really, once you've learned it, once you've gone through it, you've got it down pat. It's a game you've got to play. Right? Like, and, you yes. can read the rules, and like I'm like, I don't understand this at all. But once you play a couple games, three, four, you're like, okay, I understand the fatigue mechanic, and yeah, I, I'm and, starting to understand it. You're not going to play everything right. You'll mm-hmm. figure it out over time. Oh, yeah. That was definitely evident. When I played my first, like, two games up here, and then I sat at home and read the book, and I'm like, man, none of these guys are playing by the rules. <laughs> <laughs> we were all cheating. <laughs> yeah. But that's what happens, though, right? Like, because you're getting into it, nobody's really playing mm-hmm. a lot of the games, and so you're just trying to play. And that's what a lot of people do. Like, how many guys really sit down, read the entire rule book before Nobody. they play a game? No. Some of us. There's there's a few people. And when you do Nerds. that, you're like, I am a nerd because I'm like, I don't want to cheat. I, you know, Apparently, I glanced over how to build a list. But I read the rule part, and you know, it is one of those things where I like the nuances. Mm-hmm. I like those things. But it is one of those kind of it's, – it's unlike regular Kings of War. It is a little bit of a gotcha game because if you don't know what people's stuff does, there's no excuse because they're all the rules are in the same book. So when yeah, you know they're all they're play, all downloadable, right? So yeah, you know you, you're gonna play somebody. You got yeah. the rules, but to be fair, there's so many. There's still 26 armies or something stupid yeah. like that, right? And yeah. you got and, the cards, and, but you got the cards. But like, there's a lot to read, right? Like, yes. So I get yeah. it. Like, you may not know until the first, but once you've played the army, you figured it out. Play the scenario. That's 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 the, the that's the thing you do. You just play yeah. the scenario. <laughs> but I mean, once you go through that time investment of not just reading, but then just grinding through that, it actually turns into a much faster pickup. Okay, now first this, then yeah, this. Then our this. first few games were a slog, man. Oh. Like we're like, what does yeah. it do? But but now I think hour and a half is probably hour hour and a half is probably common, um, especially depending on the scenario. Because some of the scenarios, like yeah, some you're done way less than an hour. Yeah. Like because oh, you yeah. know what's going to happen after you're done about three turns. Well, once, in. If I've got the, if the triumph rooms have got the egg and I'm running, you're just yeah, yeah. The the game has devolved to to a game of tag at that point. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, I enjoy it. I like it because it's also that break from Kings of War. Okay, I I different warband. Let's play with this around. But then, like you've said, if I want to try a different army or a different flavor, getting into it, the number of models to build, paint, and buy, it, it's not a massive investment. No, and I do think you get where I think it is a little bit of a Kings of War light, right? Is the sense of that is that the models do have yeah, so mm-hmm. it's an introduction to Panathor. It is, and and if you and if you like the fact that you got these dwarves, they're a little bit slower but a little bit tougher. They're gonna take a hit. Okay, that's an army. You translate that to Kings of War. You got these other guys like they got a little bit of they need some special rules. They need these other abilities to make them competitive. But man, if you let somebody get into you. They're going to get squatched, right? Yeah. Like those are the things that I think are really cool about it. But to your point, I like from the sense that if I if I still have two or three hours to play it at, that night and if I just want to not grind out, because mm-hmm. still the Kings of War game, it's a grind to play like a two-hour, three-hour game, right, depending on what you're doing. But I think once you play with people that actually know Vanguard, we've been able to sit down and actually play and re-rack a couple times 
and you're playing faster. Yeah, you might like, get two or three games in a night. Yeah. yeah, it feels like you've played for an hour and a half or two hours, but you've played maybe two to three games yeah. because you're playing and you realize, okay, I know what's going to happen here. So this scenario, you got it. All right, let's yeah. let's re-rack. Let's get to this scenario. And you can have that back and forth. So I think it's a, that that's one of the things that drew me to it first. Well, it wasn't um, the models because you don't use them. No, it wasn't the models. No. It, it was uh, no. I, well, again, okay. I so you did buy the Abyssal fa- yeah, faction I, I starter. I bought the uh, two boxes of Abyssals, the booster and the, the yeah, starter. Yeah, the, the the yeah, those two I got, and then I got disappointed because the like little starter kit that Mantic sends you, like the intro to Mantic. Mm-hmm. When I opened that, it had like half the models I had bought. Oh right, because like, it's Abyssals oh, against Basilean, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it was. It's definitely a, a fun game. So what faction you're going to pick up next? You've got uh, Abyssal well, Dwarves, got yeah, Abyssal Dwarves, um, and Forces of Nature. Forces of Nature. I think I'm going to start playing around with Forces of Nature more just because it's totally different not faster as fast oh yeah god <laughs> i can actually go somewhere faster not as heavy as armor but you've got really a few different units you've got the gur panthers you've got the lizard men the druids yeah the salamanders uh, still have some pretty good armor though. yeah and oh. so it's and the centaurs are fast yes uh the centaurs so i think it'll be fun just to explore a different unit that's totally different rules different power structure because that's one of the things to managing your power and your fatigue so maybe that's one of the advantages of Vanguard 2, I think, is that you can switch factions pretty a lot easier yeah. than Kings of War. Kings of War is like, oh, oh yeah. okay, here's 200 models, right? Like, yeah. But 40, like faction, you're like, you're in. yeah, you're like, oh, I'll just buy this other. Because I've done it like three times now because I started with dwarves and then Winston shows up. I would really like to play dwarves. Okay, I'll play something else. And then I bought, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Triad Realms. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't cost much to buy a, a faction starter. Even from there, they've got a lot of the other units that you can buy from other Kings of War boxes. So it's it can be its own slow grow that way. Like a, that's true, yeah, that's true. Like if you wanted to try it realms, you could you could get gigas right, and you could mm-hmm. build a, a unit. Yeah, I mean I, there is overlap, right? It just rule wise, I don't think there's a lot of overlap. But you're well, saying there's some special rules or there's some overlap. I mean, I think just like the flavor of the army. Yeah, okay. Like there's flavors. Like you, oh, yeah. you can get a good idea from the flavor of an army by playing Vanguard. Um, than what you would slow and resilient, soft, yeah. and, you know, fast and squishy. Yeah, yeah lots you get of knights. An idea. And if you just want to, if you want to change it up, like right, if you're playing a Kings of War army that does one thing really well, yeah. Okay, well, maybe Vanguard is your outlet to be like, I want to play this, but I'm not going. <clears throat> well, yeah, I said in. like four. Like if you want to play a horde army, I don't play it in Kings of War. That's too much painting. But yeah. if you want to play goblins in Vanguard, it's you know 20 models. Well, mechanically, is there anything in the rules that drive you crazy? Yeah, I don't know mechanically if there's anything that, that drives me too bonkers yeah i'm just i'm just trying to think like the grunt the grunt rule is a little bit is a little bit weird because like you said like i think there's some armies that can take advantage of that and i think just like the power dice probably the power dice is probably the biggest one is like how to mix up that power would really just be the biggest one just because i know for again abyssal dwarves on top of being slow i think the the power dice the max i could do was Three or four, I don't remember how much power, but I was always compared to everybody else. Way under. Way under. Well, when power. you compare it to the undead or something, you're going to be like. Yeah, undead. Or Basileans. Basileans. Yeah. Um, but even some of the others, just like, man, I've got some unique abilities, but I can maybe pop them once yeah. with the power, and then that's it. And then I need the rest for fatigue. The way we played when we were playing it pretty hot and heavy, I think it's tough to come up with changes because I think there's so much more to the game. We haven't scratched yet. That we yeah. haven't scratched, yeah. right? Well, we like, haven't even really dived into the Ice and Iron book very much yeah. other than a couple of the scenarios, right? Like, yeah. We played one game from it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, we started with the main rule book, we added in the FAQ, but there's still so much in the what's already in the original game like to do that we haven't Oh, yeah. we need See. more terrain, too. I think that's where we said that uh, we were playing yeah. two terrain light. Because I yeah. remember 
Robin one time with his uh, Dwarf Pathfinders. Yeah. Scouted up, shot my commander in turn Did. one, and I was, uh-oh. Yeah. There's a power dice. Dead. Definitely <laughs> more. I like lots and of terrain. I think that's where we've always said that, at least for our games, we've struggled. Yeah, I I, I think so, too. I think, you know. Uh, but we need a store owner that'll help us with terrain, don't we? Well, we have the War Cry with multi-level terrain that I that I painted up. Oh, okay. That's green. Oh, the War Cry stuff. Yeah, I've got the well, War Cry stuff. Let's get it out. We have to play it. Multi-level. That means his horses can't chase you yeah, up the thing. Yeah, and we've got the uh, – there's a set, too, that just got printed out. It's uh, basically like a, a whole stables. We just need to paint that up because it has double levels. But I think I think doing stuff like that, you know, we're, we're basically like the one set of terrain that we, that we made up that has like the stables, like the middle of the board is going to be completely – Cover. So no one's going to be able to move and have clear line of sight until right. turn two to three. Mm-hmm. And that might be a big advantage, disadvantage, because right. you got to get inside the building and it's just a big building. Like I've been looking at stuff like that when I was looking at Vanguard Terrain is, you know, what would it be like to have almost a city block, two rows of buildings and a road down the middle where you can literally have some armies just work their way through the buildings mm-hmm. and then some armies able to work the outskirts. And I think getting more flavorful and stuff like that. You'll increase the difficulty of missions. You'll increase the difficulty of some of the armies. You'll take away the ability of a cavalry heavy list or a list that can shoot because shooting – Shooting's not, harder if there's a lot of terrain, right? Because yeah. you, so, you, you lose the advantages of the clear shot, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I think that's where sitting down and actually mapping that out, that might be where the rule set is fine unless you play – where every every setup is almost the same. It's a, almost a clear battlefield. Right. There's some woods. There might yeah. be a hill. There's you know one or two obstacles. It's, it's a tricky thing though because if you, when you have lots of terrain, that also slows you down, right? So it slows you down, and that yeah, may yes. cause but, a whole new problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. So because I mean, no, that's a problem when we put in lots of terrain to stop the shooting. Yeah. And well, then like poor Matt's like, okay, I'm I'm really well, really slow now. Well, yeah. I'm even thinking of a uh, kill the bard scenario. Yeah. How many times I'm trying to think how many times because he's go traveling diagonally across the mm-hmm. board. Is it he gets maybe a third of the way down and then he's dead? <laughs> oh, I've killed him before he even moves. I think. Oh, oh, yeah, and it's like, and some of it is if we just had that terrain, maybe you actually get those unique flavors of the scenario of like, hey, roll a die that says maybe he's got that. Uh, what is it? Noisy cacophony, which everybody around him within six inches is now fatigued. Right. We're not able to play to some of those uh, just scenario features because we don't have enough terrain. Because yeah, because yeah. everybody can just run there and get it. Well, they scout there, <laughs> or, or that too. Yeah. yeah, and then like pew pew, shoot him off the table before yeah. you're done. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War Podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. We were. You can move uh, in a little closer if you want to. Oh. The mic. Yeah, you know, you don't have to be professional, but that's that's cool. Yeah. So you want me like right on it? Well, the closer you get, the better. The better? Mm-hmm. It makes it smoother? It makes you sound baritone. All right, sweet.